to the end, you podcast. That's right. Gonna podcast to the end, baby. Gonna podcast all the way to the end. <laughs> the end of 2021. True. We're done with John Carpenter. We gotta uh we gotta pay pay some bills here, right? Some outstanding bills on previous filmmakers we've covered. Sure, there's ledgers we have to write. Right. It's know, tax time, balance. baby. Yeah. Last three weeks of 2021. <laughs> New releases. Oh! Been a little while since we've had a new release from a previous director, and it just so happened that three of them lined up in a row Been a little while. to take us out of this cursed, cursed year. This is the first one. This is, of course, uh, Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Very fast. That's the in-person speed you get. Fucking Zoom, man. No Zoom delay. You know what I don't like? Zoom. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the film, though. With Tim Allen? Right. What's that called? Zoom Academy for Superheroes or some shit like that? I mean, I just know it as Zoom, but Fucking yes. Also man, known Sky as, High. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney Cox. Chevy. Kate Mara. Spencer Breslin. Uh, yes. Who else is in that? Rip Did we Torn? go through the whole list? Rip Torn is in it? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's good. Rip. Alexis Bledel uncredited. Wilmer is- Valderrama. Devin... Uh, a koi aoki 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 that's how you, is yeah. this a real movie or is this a, it's a disney real movie. channel original it's like it's no it was real it was it's not disney right cuz uh, no this was theatrical sky this high was, was disney this was columbia this was but sky uh, high was theatrical as well isn't it, it wasn't disney channel this was columbia i think it's based on a book or some shit uh no it was based on this app um that you could video conference with but they took it in a weird David. Direction. yeah no it was based on a children's book yeah it's Tim Allen teaches a school of superheroes and it looked like dog shit. It's from the director of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and The Borrowers, Peter which are Hewitt. good movies. Peter Hewitt. Yeah. He also did Thunderpants. Did he do Garfield the movie? He did do Garfield the movie. See, this is the thing. Because I think Bogus Journey is a very stylish film. Bogus very. Journey is one of those movies where as a debut film, you're like, is this guy going to be like a, like a fucking Burtony kind of? And then it's kind of just shit the bed. That's number two. Yeah. They brought on a new director for number two? Because they, they wrote the script and they were like, it's so visual what they've written here. We need someone who is primarily a visual stylist. And I think he was like a film school guy where he had a student film where they were like, this guy's insane. Because Bogus Dream has all the fucking hell shit, the nightmares. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, Those yeah, sequences yeah, yeah. are like yeah. really, really, really cool. good. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. this is like some young Wonderkin director. And then he just makes uh, garbage. Cool. It's Yeah. And it's not, it's not fucking... Stephen Herrick territory. Stephen Herrick right. had to go make the Mighty Ducks and Mr. Holland's Opus right. and all that. He becomes weirdly Mr. Disney. Totally. Straight uh, down the 101 middle. Dalmatians he did. Right, right. He did the um the Brat Pack Three Musketeers, which I saw in theaters. Right. These are all Disney movies. Yep. What's the last thing Stephen Herrick made? Uh like fucking- he had a movie this year on Netflix called Afterlife of the Party, starring Victoria, former uh Griffin Newman co-star okay. Victoria Justice. Hey. Right? Didn't you do a movie with her? I did. Yeah. Of course. You're talking about Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List. That's right. You were on the No Kiss List. Uh, Bruce Wong. Uh, he also did a movie called The Great Gilly Hopkins. Oh, sure. Based on a classic children's That's book. That's an Ellen Burstyn. Try silent. Thank you. Uh, no, I'm not seeing Ellen Burstyn here. Kathy Who, Bates. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. And then Sophie Nizelay. I don't know. I moved on because he also okay. did a children's film called The Chaperone starring Triple H. Yes. Yes. He's yes. in front of a school bus going. David's crossing his arms, looking sternly That's at That's a Herrick? Stephen Herrick. Wow. Starring Paul Lawrence, a.k.a. Triple H. Yeah. Paul Lawrence. That's yeah, his, his real name? name is Paul Lawrence, which is funny because his, like, 
stage name is like Hunter Helms Hensley, right. Hurst Hensley right. or whatever. His character is supposed to be like a rich He's supposed guy. to be a fancy man, right. Yeah. A fancy man who's like, you know, 380 pounds. Or it is funny though that it's like, here's his real name. Then we're going to give him a fake he real was, name he was, and then a nickname based off the fake real name. He was initially called Jean-Paul Levesque and he was mm-hmm. presented as right. like a French-Canadian aristocrat. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Which right. is so funny. Fucking and they were like, let's tone it down a little. He's just a rich guy. Okay. <laughs> I learned about all of this in the recent Vice documentary about China. Mm. Uh, the, uh, the wrestler, sure. Yeah, highly recommend. Cool. Yeah, very tragic check that out. Very he's tragic. Sort of become. I mean, he's the he's the, the Vince new Vince McMahon. Yeah. The on new Vince McMahon. Right. Like he married her. He married as Stephanie. Yeah, yeah, but it was sort of like both a scripted thing and a real right. thing. I can't right. remember but which also, came first. He's like he is within kayfabe. He's both the guy who's being groomed to run the whole thing, and within kayfabe, the guy who's being groomed to be the new head heel, like. In universe, the, the McMahon new McMahon, right? right. The He's new the commissioner. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking. I mean, yeah. I haven't really paid attention to wrestling since I was a teenager. But when I was a teenager, he was he was big deal as a wrestler. I just like watching documentaries about wrestling. There are so many. There's so many. If and you sign up for really WWE, good. like yes. you know, dot com or whatever, also you can watch like any documentary they've ever made, and there's apparently yeah. like hundreds of them. Hmm. Uh, did you know, come on? Surely you liked wrestling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe you didn't as much as you should have for, yeah. you know, considering no, you were a little menace. Listen, I did. I definitely sent one of my friends to the hospital because we uh, were wrestling oh, in we his go. living okay. room. Right. There, okay. we go. there we go. Yeah. Okay. You know, like Ultimate yeah. Warrior, you know. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I feel Hulk. like you'd be a, a Jake the Snake guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you like mankind? But I like the fucking guys with the fucking two by four. Sure. Oh, okay. like uh, a junkyard dog or whatever his name was? Well, that sounds good. So, I don't know that, about that, that, but that sounds good. Wasn't I like that, that like another league, like extreme ECW? There was ECW. Yeah, right. yeah, right. That was rival. the one that was really hardcore there where they hit each other. Yeah. But you know, they would always sort of eventually get sucked into Bam the... Bam Bigelow, that feels like a Ben guy. Did you like Mankind? Come on. Yeah, Mankind was cool. Yeah, he did bits. He's yeah, he had he sock did bits. puppets. He was yeah. weird. And he was like fucked up. Yeah, he know? was crazy. You were like, is this guy really I, crazy? I or? had friends who were really into that stuff and they would like throw each other on the tables and get yeah. really hurt. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get into that. But I remember Mankind, someone exposed me to like the scene. Um, Where he's thrown off the cage, the top of the cage. No, what are you talking about? It's like, That's a, we've got matches, as my witness, he's broken in half. I want to say it's Japan okay. where it's like really crazy and he like is like it's like a barbed wire match yeah, or yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah. really yeah. sick. Yeah. He would do stuff like that. Yeah. That's fucked up. Uh, anyway, our podcast today is about a director who hasn't made any movies about wrestling, but kind of fits within that world. It made some movies about uh, naked wrestling. Bed sure. wrestling as I like Bed to wrestling. call it. Bed wrestling. Bed wrestling as I like to call wrestling. it. Oh, yeah, right. Once in high school, um, one of the classes, one of the homeroom classes, put all their desks in a square, like, to make a border. And then they did a Royal Rumble where you had to knock someone out of the square to win. Did it get intense? Yeah, I think it got too intense, yeah. And they, they got in trouble. Yeah. But I remember, like, people were like, they're doing a Royal Rumble at, like, 4-H. And we were like, really? And we walked in there and I was like, they are. Like, wow. this, is, this is going down. Anyway. If anyone at CLS remembers the Royal Rumble, I think it was 4-H. 
you know, get in touch, tweet at us. Yeah, any American students want to get in touch with us. <laughs> All right. This is a podcast about filmographies. All Directors right, sorry. have massive success early on in their careers. They're given a series of blank checks, make whatever crazy passion products they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce baby out. See, I thought you guys wouldn't have been fighting. Instead, you would have just been like challenging each other with facts about royalty. Uh-huh, right. We have like a who's a, the queen? A, a quiz off. Uh, who's the Duke of something? He doesn't know. <laughs> who's the Who's the Earl of Sandwich? <laughs> I can look it up. Delta Terminal too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fuck! That is what comes up these days when you Google Earl of Sandwich. They're, they're top. Thank they're you. Top. Thank you. Present holder, John. Here he is. This is the fucking current Earl of Sandwich. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he, it. He, he, looks like it. Been, he was born ready for that role. <laughs> I, I John such, Montague. Some mail on that guy's slipping between two slices of, of Sandwich. Wow. 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 Um, some years ago, we covered the American Hollywood film career. Of- when was that? Paul Verhoeven. I believe that was 2017? No, it's 2018. Yeah, it's early 2018. Like January 2018. Okay, I knew it was the beginning of a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we covered, we covered his Hollywood films. Um, and then we were like, fuck, we should cover L2. We never covered Black Book. No, we keep meaning to, but it's like, yeah. who has the time? We never covered his early films. But it is this weird career because uh, this provocative, transgressive uh, Dutch filmmaker... That makes this unlikely leap over to Hollywood, right? With like right. Flesh and Blood is his bridge film, and then Robocop is like, oh, this guy's become one of the preeminent sci-fi action blockbuster filmmakers of his generation. Throws two erotic drama thrillers in there, just for good measure. Uh, taps out on Hollow Man, which is kind of all three at the same mm-hmm. time. And then is like, I hate Hollywood, I'm leaving. Doesn't make a movie for 10 years. Uh, maybe eight. I forget when Black Book is. I mean, I feel like it's like 10 years between Hollow Man and Black Book, 10 years between... No, it's only six. Black Book is 06. Wow, okay. And then he, you know, he did do that other movie... Um, yeah, that no one talks that about. That no one talks about. That was like, wasn't that Tricked? Like, is that it? Yeah. I believe that was like a class he was teaching and it was a collaborative process with a bunch of student filmmakers. Well, I'll just tell you it exists. That's all. It exists. Yep. It exists. Um, but yeah, and then, right, so L, L is, is 2016. Okay, so 10 years after that. So that's almost a longer break yeah, between Black Book surprisingly. And yeah, and then, you know, Benedetta, I feel like that was announced like two years ago. It's been in the works for a while. He's yes. been circling this one. He had a hip injury when it was like about to go, which is one of those things where you're just like, Paul, you're in your 80s. We got to get this done. We got to get this made. Kept on getting announced at Con with like increasingly provocative sales posters. Right, and you were, right. Please, God, let this happen. Don't fucking let this fall I apart. I mean, the, the elevator pitch is just Paul Verhoeven non-sploitation. And right. people were so excited. They were. Uh, they were this. kind of baying for, you know, right. er- erotica, essentially. Yeah. Uh, right. I tried to go into this as largely blind as I could and have avoided the trailers. Because this is one of those movies where I was just like, look, it's not fucking no way home. I'm not going to get inundated with marketing, right? I can, like, stay pretty clean of this. And I know I want to see this. And pretty much what I knew about this movie was, okay, in my head, I've saved this for the last couple of years as Paul Verhoeven, lesbian, nun movie, right? And then when it starts screening, everyone's like, huh, that's kind of reductive. That's not really what it is. If you're expecting that salacious, that's not really what you should be thinking. 
So like that's all I had in my mind was like, I thought the movie was this. Everyone's telling me that's kind of not a great summation of what it is. Right. Right. And then you watch it and you're like, this is a movie about a lesbian nun. But but it also is about it's a lot more complicated. It's yeah. about it's about the rules. It's about power. That's one thing I'll say it's about power. Yes. Yeah. It's a fascinating movie because it's kind of going like it's about religion kind of buying its own bullshit, but also not maybe, you know, like that weird sort of like blurred line. Look, he's got a fire in his belly right now. He's announcing new movies left and right. It, it feels like he's, he's doing something some with the uh, uh, Newmeyer, right? Mm-hmm. From Robocop, yes. right. Right. And he was saying there was a Holly, he, there's a Hollywood movie he's been thinking about making coming back to the studio. So Shang-Chi too. Yeah. He's been thinking about that for a long time. <laughs> Legend of the he's 11. Like, I can't wait to make it. Someone just needs to make Shang-Chi one. Right. And then they did. And he was like, all right, I'm on this. Like my right take is Shang-Chi is a man who's very good at fighting and he has the 10 rings. But for me, what if the rings were Nazis? <laughs> the, the 10 Nazis. Just for, around him. One Nazi. This this Verhoeven impression is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we 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 had it's fun refined. with him back in the day, yeah. you know, doing bringing Paul out of the bed. Right. <laughs> Here's my pitch for Sonic Three. You have the Sonic and the Knuckles and the Tails, and they are the friends, and they collect the rings, but also they use the rings to have sex with each other. <laughs> sex is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I'm the only one who shows sex the way it actually is. Um, but yes, uh, this this is one of those movies where I I hope he continues making films. But you're like, if through poor luck, this ends up being Paul Verhoeven's last film, you're like, this is kind of a pretty good summation of everything this guy stands it, to do. It is. And it's also a nice uh, a nice way for him to to discuss Christianity and, and Jesus. Which has been... As kind of a low-key... Lifelong, lifelong academic obsession. Right. That's the thing. It's not even that much a part of his films, although Robocop is the American Jesus. Right. But he has this whole sort of like side like career. Have I ever said that? Do you like that movie? I did. I watched it last night. Um, <laughs> I watched it again last night. Um, did course. you watch Benedetta or did you just sort of fire up Robocop? <laughs> no, I watched Benedetta. So Benedetta is about a robot cop. Um, I watched Benedetta and I chased it with Robocop. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? Nobody has this sort of side career as this, like one of the preeminent Jesus scholars in the world. But not just Jesus, the historical this Jesus. Is the thing. Sure, He's not, fascinated not, by yeah, Jesus yeah, the, as the, a historical figure, the, the man. The, the real record about this person. Right. It's not yes. a theological study of the guy. And he's compared, he's written a book called mm-hmm. Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. Which is, you know, an academic study of the historical Jesus. And he also has compared this historical Jesus to someone like, Che Guevara. Right. Yes. Yeah. As a sort of socialist right. leader of the people, a revolutionary. A, revolutionary. a Jewish right. revolutionary, right. basically, whose uh, myth got kind of altered and built upon and turned into more magical things over the Much like millennia. Robocop. It got distorted into Robocop 2, 3, the animated series. And the remake. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, right. There yeah. was a pure, there was a real man. There was a real man named Alex Murphy who was Robocop and we've distorted his legacy. I do think there was at some point a Jesus movie he wanted to make yes. that has never come to fruition. Right. He's, he's right. always like, wanted to make his Jesus movie. Mm-hmm. He also um, wanted to tackle the Crusades mm-hmm. very famously in the 90s after Basic Instinct. He was going to reteam with Arnold to make his, you know, Big budget crusades epic, which one can un- only imagine. Unfortunately, never happened. Yeah, and so now with Benedetta, it is cool for us, you know, 
Verhoeven heads to that's finally see him. The thing that's interesting, make and a film about religion, and it's explicitly much, yeah. angle at it because right because when you go like Verhoeven non-exploitation movie, you're like, is he just gonna go fucking maximalist? Is this just him going like full sort of shock value or whatever? Right, and you're like, no, the spine of this thing really ties into so much of what he's interested mm-hmm. in, and then there's sort of the. Verhoeven's salaciousness on top of it. We should mention, of course, our guest joining us here today is Marie Barty Party Barty. Hey, guys. And gals and non-binary folks. Uh, You went to Catholic school, correct? I did. Uh, did you? Yeah. Are are any of you guys Catholic? No. No, but I come from a a very Catholic family on my mom's side. But you were raised atheist. I've never been to church. You've never been to church. Nor do I know. Were you baptized? Well, you tried to cross the threshold of a church once and you were thrown out right? yeah, by, actually, by an unseen weird. force yeah right. it's yeah. really weird yeah. it was kind of like old. not even thrown out just propelled back yeah exactly you were like right. oh, I'll check out St. Paul's Cathedral or like <laughs> and then I just ended up in a trash can behind the church in an alley it was crazy and the church boomed cross not the door yeah. no, anyway alright carry on sorry you're, yeah. you're Catholic yeah. your mom is Catholic but she's a lapsed Catholic, but she's not well yeah not so no religion right. in my right. your household. parents raised you it, yeah. it was a, a, a and and a religious. This house. guy would come to your house every Friday. This kind of short guy who created this TV show. You know, he had like a little goatee, and he would tell you about how God isn't real. What is this? Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be okay. like, Ben, your religious education is about to begin, Ricky. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys know how old Ricky Gervais is? Uh, one hundred and ten. No, take, I take a real guess. Don't look it up. Uh, take a real guess. I, I'm guessing he's sixty-three. Sixty. I just—it's yeah. one of those things where it's—it's it's not surprising, but you just do have to step back and go passage of time, huh? That guy I, is sixty. I'm less shocked by that because when he emerged in Britain, he was one of those guys right. who had been trying to emerge for a full ten right. years. You're like already. he's like right. forty when the office. He was happens. like forty. Yeah. Right. It—it mm. it just is a little bit fascinating to think about. He's sixty and he's still acting this way. <laughs> what way would that be? Nothing. Uh, t- speaking truth to power? Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. yeah Acting this way. Do that? Courageous. <laughs> <laughs> he was the real Benedetta of our time, right? I hope he hosts the Golden Globes one more time, but well, in its press release form. Well, and I hope when he comes back to host it, he tells us how he hates it and he never wants he to do it, it ever They again. didn't want him. And it's literally the last time. They didn't want him. He didn't want to do it. Weird how it ended up this way. Uh Come on, what's up? Oh, so anyway, so uh, I don't know anything. Sure. You don't know anything about Catholicism. I know nothing. I was not baptized, but then here's the thing. I'm okay. talking to my mom about this friggin' movie, mm-hmm. right? She goes, hey, Ben, do you know that there's a saint in our family? What? what? So I'm related to the guy who founded the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> how how, how that, closely that, related ben, are you saint to this Columba? man? His name is Father Michael McGivney. Yeah, Michael oh, McGivney. This fella right here, he's giving me a little haws. Oh, and sure. He's he's a saint? Uh, he's, yeah. He's beatified. He's, oh, been, he's beatified. Been, he is actually not a saint. Oh. He's That's blessed. That's how you pronounce it. Blessed, you know. Right. But he's he's right. on the road he's on, to he's sainthood. He's on the, the road to sainthood. Apparently, a second miracle uh, will be required for his canonization. So you just got to take a one on more miracle. Wow. Dude, I guy. mean, guys, please start praying. Your podcasting career could be seen as a miracle. I don't know if that... That's maybe, true. Like, now, that's true. It's kept going. Ben, <laughs> I know your family has long, long history, deep roots in New Jersey. Mm, yeah. was, was this man a, a Jerseyan? He's from Connecticut. Okay, oh, I was going to say, I'm surprised because I had heard there were many saints of Newark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone out. <laughs> That's what I heard. We're coming in hot. Okay. That's what I heard. Yeah, he's he's a Connecticut born 
and raised and died in Connecticut wow. yeah. in those yeah. in that fine fine nutmeg state. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think for a second what Connecticut is. <laughs> it's the nutmeg state. Um, um, so McGivney, that's his last name. Yeah. So it's my, is that your mom's side? Are you a McGivney Hosley? Well, it's like the way she explained it was my it's my great great grandmother's sister's son. Sure. Okay. okay yeah, whatever. Cool. Yeah. But if he's, he's like fucking, a I you know, first cousin eight times removed or whatever. They'll invite me to the Vatican, my mom said. If he another miracle happens, family members get oh, to go. Oh, oh, okay, okay. We need one more go. miracle. This he needs to, to happen. The Vatican, man. <laughs> And defensively <laughs> yelling, waving his arms around. I could go to the Vatican. <laughs> if there's one more miracle attributed to him, apparently, so the first miracle. Yeah, tell us about this first miracle. Uh, is was under investigation, uh, and it was approved by Pope Francis. He healed a baby in the womb after the baby was given a zero percent chance of survival by doctors. Then giving a knowing nod, as um, if. Yep. Oh no! But this is the whole thing. It's like someone that right. He didn't even do it. Someone prayed to him. Okay. And like the baby lived yeah, or whatever. That, and that's right. That's, yeah. that's how it happened. I know. It, it's just Saints, like. I, it, you don't I, become a saint when you're alive. Right. Well, no, no. Of course not. That would be. So you retroactively, retroactively, the credit is given when the prayer works. I guess so. Correct. But I mean, like, yes, but it's not like they're going back in history and it's like, oh, yeah, he like one day this one time he turned water into wine. No, sure. no one can, ever mentioned that. Can we chalk up like a recent miracle to McGivney? And we probably could. Well, okay. I mean, Nick Vallelonga has two Academy Awards. Is that <laughs> you think Nick was praying every night to the think he founder wasn't? of the Knights of Columbus? Maybe he has a long list. Nick I don't Vallelonga, know. you think he just went, I don't know. I think I got a <laughs> so good do shot. Do you think that means Pope Francis has to watch Green Book and he was like, who this thing? He, <laughs> he won. He won two Explain Oscars. Explain to me this. the. So what? It's a story by credit. Yeah, but technically Holy that Father. Gets him they, in. they give an, a separate award for screenplay. I know they do. This this one. But he didn't like type the script that they used. Right. He did an early draft. It was rewritten. Okay. But he's grandfathered into the credit. I, I'm fifty fifty on this. Well, it also won the Golden Globe for comedy for drama. <laughs> okay, miracle, <laughs> miracle stamp. No, I think it actually so, was Ben, out. can I tell you something really exciting that you might not know about uh, saints? Sure. So apparently their bodies aren't supposed to decompose. Oh, like if you went and checked them out? If they you, would so just that's like another way to prove that he's the saint uh-huh. is that his body in his coffin should just be chilling. Unlike jeans, if you bury a saint, they will never. No, ben is around looking for around for an, a digging implement <laughs> and I'd like him to stop. Things we know I he think has. I don't want him to get arrested. For, by, this would be a really by, quick and easy way. Imagine how mad yeah, to prove your local case. Catholics yeah. would be if Ben desecrated the corpse of the founder imagine of the Knights of Columbus. Listen, I'm related to this friggin' guy. And then like in court it's like this man has been seen burying many objects on his property another fun saint fact have you heard the term relic as as it's used with saints the 90s movie the relic well yes but if you have a relic of a saint do you know what that means no you have a piece of their body hell yeah Mm. Like it's a like, chip of you'll, bone. You'll, you'll go a to some bone. right. You'll go to some church yeah. in Italy, and yeah, they'll be dude, like, "Well, of course chips. we have like ex saints femur, and it's right. like you know on display." Yeah. And you're like, "Okay." Well, I growing up, I went to Catholic school for twelve years, mm-hmm. and we had a field trip once to go see the shrine of Saint John Newman, who mm-hmm. I guess is a conveniently located Pennsylvania saint. Mm-hmm. There he is. And, I'm looking at him. Yeah, yeah th- and in the center of the shrine, it's just this 
dead body in a glass coffin. Ooh. And there's a mask, a Whoa. lifelike mask on him that approximates what his face would look like. This isn't a joke. While this, you were is explaining that, this is a hundred percent. No, no. When you were explaining that, Marie, the look on Ben's face, I could see the wheels turning of like, maybe I like Catholicism. <laughs> You're finally selling him on organized religion. <laughs> what if like, I, this is just all part of a long con for me to convert I'm all collecting of you bonds? Well, are okay. you a, are you a practicing Catholic? I'm not a practicing party? Catholic. No, I mean, okay. I'm, I'm Italian. Sure. So, like, it's connected to my ethnicity. This was was my other question I was going to ask is, we know you went to Catholic school because it came up in our old episode. You went to the Wide Awake School. Right. Uh, How much was that, like, a thing? How much was Catholicism a part of your family life versus just your education? Like, was it a thing that was upheld in the home? No. It was just you had— Your mom is not No, my mom mom is Catholic. My mom's not Italian. My mom's Lebanese. Right. I I knew that. But but they're both Catholic on both sides. They're um, Catholic Mm -hmm. on both sides. Uh, and but your parents themselves are not strong. Were you no. uh, confirmed? Or oh yeah, that? I, right. I yeah, yeah, yeah. got all the sacraments. I'm confirmed. My patron saint is Cecilia. Nice. You haven't been the, verified yet, though, right? We haven't been verified. Do you no. have a blue check? I confirmed. We don't, have, don't have, a, have a blue check. I'm confirmed. I'm unverified. <laughs> I have to, you know, update saint the Cecilia, blank check website to she, get us uh, verified. Patron saint of music. She's right? the patron saint of music Playing and the, the subject of the Simon and Garfunkel song Cecilia, which is not about a girlfriend. Oh. It's about the patron saint of music. And how horny they are for her. Uh, yeah. And well, Down on my knees. I'm it's begging you, please, to come. It's, he's waiting for inspiration. Right. Sure. But as in that song mm-hmm. and in the film Benedetta, mm. there is a lot of overlap between sexual desire and faith. I mean, look, you're thinking about these people all the dang time. Yeah. You're not allowed to do anything. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Gotta wear burlap sacks. There's been a long history in Catholic art. Of knitting saints stuff. and Jesus being like naked and muscular. Yeah, so hot. So I mean, when you think about not just Jesus, I think Saint Sebastian is the he's the most one who's common, with all the arrows. He's the one with all the arrows. Yeah. He's kind of a, an early gay icon. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're in like a European art museum and you're going through and it's like you see Saint Sebastian right like the fucking arrow guy it's yeah like every hundred every ten years someone's like I'm gonna draw the arrow guy you know yeah it's a, it's a strong cool. image yeah yeah um but uh Catholicism which was sort of like the dominant thing mm-hmm. in life for the first I don't know like for a lot of the this is set in the seventeen hundred years. It was of, the original Marvel Cinematic Universe, right, the it thing was, that people built their was, lives around, despite its inherent silliness. It was the dominant cultural product. And <laughs> it was the Mario culture. Look, yeah. people get married and govern their sex lives according to the MCU. It's, so it's, yeah. a, it's, it's not even good, fucking, it's, it's actually a, it's a pretty pretty strong to, yeah, comparison joke. you're drawing yeah. there. But it was a way that people could express themselves. And you know, if if you're an artist today, you yeah. can make art about whatever. But back then, you could kind of only make art about one thing. So they would. Well, but Marie, once again, it used to be if you were an artist, you could make art about whatever. Right, but now you can only make Marvel movies. Size, it kind of has to be. <laughs> yeah. Right. And Feige is kind of. Uh, the Pope? A little bit. Il Papa. Right? I mean, look. Papa, Papa Feige. <laughs> Papa, Papa Kev. Um, no, no, no. I mean. It, but it's not just that it was the only, it was like, it's the only thing you fucking learned about in school. The only right. damn books you read were about, it's right. not like you could crack open, you know, the latest Jack Reacher back in the 1600s. Right. It had to be yeah. like, okay, I guess I'll read the Bible again. Right. Nowadays we call it the good book. Back then they used to call it the only yeah, book. The book. Yeah. Come to the library. We got one book. You'll love it. <laughs> it's checked out. 
<laughs> okay. uh, David and I are Jewish. We should clarify. I am Jewish. I have studied the Bible as literature uh, in college. Have. I love the Bible. I think it's wild and wacky. And of course, you know, us Jews, we have the first half of, of your yeah, Bible too. So yeah, there's a lot of, Jesus yeah. was a Jew. There's a lot of sure overlap. Was. He was um, a hot Jew, according to Paul Verhoeven. Were you a hot sword swinging Jew? Yes. Were you raised religious at all? I was taken to like sort of high holiday services. Yeah. As I guess a sort of half like my mom feeling guilty because she was raised religious. Mm-hmm. Although that kind of like 50s Jewish thing of like, we're Americans. Right. First and foremost. We right. don't want anyone questioning that. Right. We're going to call our kids good American names. And we're going to, yeah. you know, like, because all her uh, older, you know, it's like Shlomo and that's, you know, I mean, my dad's side of the and, you family know, all is that. very similar to your mom's side of the family, where it's but like all the New kids, York State, like Daniel, Robert, right, right, Ellen, right. you know, these, that's in my mind, you know, like, um, but they were religious. They went to yeah. synagogue. Are you, are, did you guys get bar mitzvahed? Didn't. Did not. This is what? the thing. I was the first of three kids. There was a fair amount of like high holiday tradition, but it felt like our Judaism was always cultural like trying to tie ourselves yeah. more to the past but would you have a seder my parents giving any shit about this because we would have a seder we, we took would. passover seriously we would do passover we would do I mean, you'd go to synagogue for rosh hashanah yom kippur yeah. you know that's pretty much it hanukkah was a pretty half hanukkah you get presents we, you light the candle but we, we really went more for christmas uh and um, i can't think of anything else we celebrated why would you pass up the well, chance to have an awesome I, party I, I don't want anyone making fun of me right now Okay, I'm going to have a similar embarrassing story. I want to hear yours first. <laughs> no, there's a reason I don't. If I had stayed in New York, I think I would have. But I moved to London right. when I was nine they don't years have, old. They don't have a lot of mm. Jews over there, well, do they? not to... Hey, be, sorry, I was just out of the room. What's going on? <laughs> not to cast, to, in, to paint in broad I'll fill brush. you in on the story as he goes along. Why so, are you to, covered in dirt? Don't worry. Uh, not to paint in broad brushes about British Judaism, but you have a bag that says bone chips on it. (laughs) Sorry, David, go on. Um, (laughs) Relics? (laughs) You crossed that out and wrote relics. Um, uh, We found in Britain that it was like you're either going to be, if you're Jewish, you're either going to be like super secular and really not do anything. Quickly, because I zoned out for a second. Uh, In New York, you found in New York when its point where the story is taking place. Uh, no, this is in London. What? Go on. Um, no, it's like uh, you. It's like the Jews. The Jewish communities we found were fairly religious. We struggled to find a sort of quote unquote reform. Obviously, they exist. They're much smaller. Yeah. We never really connected to anything mm-hmm. that made sense for us to do a bar mitzvah. So we never really. I think if it stayed in New York, I would have done a classic kind of like reform Jewish bar mitzvah. Have you thought about what your theme would have been? No, not really. That's a good question. What should my theme have oh, been? Oh, I mean, I've thought about that. I, Go ahead. I'm not Jewish, but I grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood outside of Philadelphia. And, uh, I, you know, my my sister who went to public school went to like 30 bar and bat mitzvahs I went in to seventh grade. many, many bar mitzvahs. Yeah. Yes, yes. But I always wanted mine to be an Oscars theme. Oh, of course. Oh, like, see, you that know, would be a red right. carpet. I guess a, a movie theme. Yeah. A movie theme would have probably been where I yes. grabbed it. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Yes. I mean, um, the whole thing with bar mitzvahs, too, I'm sure you like, some of them would be like the glitziest oh, fucking affairs. Where ice like, luges. Right, where you're like, did yeah. the kid even get consulted? This is just like a really grown-up party. Yes. Yes. And others would be more like sort of fun and fancy free. My parents went to a bar mitzvah once where just all the other parents were out doing like 
shots from an ice luge and like smoking weed behind the synagogue. I was going to say, I recently had this realization of like, oh, fuck, I'm like 10 years away from getting to go to my friend's kids bar mitzvahs and I'm looking forward to that. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. As oldest of three kids, I think my parents were like, the kid should have some sense of religion. Like, it felt like neither of them cared, but they were right. like, I think this is what we're supposed to do. And I just didn't give a shit, but they like sent me to like uh, a Hebrew school. Like, I oh, had like once to, a week. A but you group went thing. to Hebrew school, but you weren't bar That's the whole point of they Hebrew were school. They trying to get me into the idea of doing it. I kept on being like, nah, I don't, don't want to do it. And they were like, you get to have a party and people will give you, you get so many presents, money and oh envelopes. Yeah. People like would right. clean. Right. There, there was one Jewish girl who went to my school. Her name was Meryl. And uh-huh. Meryl was like three years older than me. Mm-hmm. But like rumors of her bat mitzvah trickled down yeah. to the fourth grade. And the big thing was that like, I don't know, in this game of telephone, how wrong this was. Oh. But apparently... Both sets of grandparents gave her those cool iMacs that were candy colored. Fuck. They, they, the grandparents didn't consult with each other. So they Fuck. each bought, she had two iMacs for her bought mitzvah. So this is. You could have gotten two iMacs. This is my thing. And I, I don't, I, I just, I was, an, I was a very opinionated kid. I'm not surprised. And I had this whole stance of just like, I think it's kind of gross. That I, you're encouraging me to do this thing that I openly don't care about so I can have a party and get a bunch of presents. Were you also concerned about the whole thing of like becoming a man? Like you wanted to stay a boy forever? Well, my thing. <laughs> Peter Pan. No, thing. Very, very valid question. <laughs> I think my thing was that I simultaneously was like, the only thing I don't want to be is a teenager. Mm. I'm happy being 12. I'd love to be 25. I right. do not want to be a teenager. To, to I was make like, the jump. This sure. seems shitty. Everything I hear about teenagers sucks. Were your siblings bar? No, they didn't even make the effort with my siblings. They're just like, well, I feel like Romilly would have had a great bot mitzvah. She would have. Yeah. But it was that weird thing of just like my parents made me do like all the fucking college admission shit too. And with my siblings, they were like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Um, They should probably get back to Benedetta. But but, but did you finish (laughs) your story? I'm I'm, I'm very uh, agnostic. Uh, yeah, person yeah. when it comes to all of this and unlike David I haven't studied the Bible as literature but didn't you go I to NYU so what? no I thought you did I went to Keller you Cal went to Keller and Arts. dropped out I thought that's you were at NYU for like a semester Cal no, Art. I just I dropped out and then hung out with NYU people the that's probably why I got confused because at NYU, NYU freshman year we all had to read the Bible okay yeah no never never did yeah. never did at Cal you Arts. had to read the Bible because it was you were told it was the truth uh no no yeah I'm joking uh, um, Tyler, we all had to read a book about Chuck Jones. <laughs> Similar, yeah. To that's Jesus what I Christ, the Bible. It's called like Bugs Seven Bunny. Seven. Is it was we just or as you guys discussed in the Space Jam episode, yeah, Christ like figure, Christ like figure. Um, okay, so this movie Street Benedetta. Benedetta. I, all this to say, I saw this last night. Where so did you see? You watched Lincoln's, Benedetta last night. It's, a, it's still processing review wow. for, for old Griffey Nooms. You saw it at Lincoln Center. I saw it at AMC Forty Second Street. Interesting. It's playing at the AMC 42nd. It is. Interesting it's, got, it's playing at like six screens in New York right now. It is. It's also at Alamo. I got a Sunday. Nighthawk. Nighthawk. And it's at like, syndicated over in Bushwick. Right. Right. And it's playing at 42nd Street and it's playing at uh, Lincoln Center. It's getting a somewhat limited yeah, release and is going on to... Is, is it already rentable now? Or is no. It, it's going to be rentable next week. They changed it. Okay. Oh, they changed it. Yeah. Well, it was supposed to be day and date oh, sure, really. on it's VOD. Next, next and week. now it's next week. Um... I've seen Benedetta twice. 
Okay. I, and you, and you I saw it first at the film festival a while I ago. I saw it at the New York Film Festival. It was very exciting. There were uh, Catholic protesters outside with yeah, bagpipes. Like eight of them. There were eight of them. I, we, they, had, they also protested when we were voting for the Critics Circle. And I was like, it's eight of you. Like, what is this? And they're still like showing up outside of screenings at Lincoln Center today. Like fucking every day. Down but it's, with this it's sort of less thing. than 10. What are yeah. they mad about? Lesbians. Oh, okay. They specifically have like a sign that says like no lesbians. It'd be funny if it just said lesbians. But isn't isn't that a isn't this like there's like recorded history of this? Oh yeah, it's based on a real story. So what are they mad about? I don't know. Why don't you go fucking I don't think they've seen the movie. I was gonna say I was gonna say (laughs) I did not know this was based on a real story until the final title cards came up, right? Because I've been trying to keep myself clean of this. I'm just like, I wanna see whatever fucking wacky Paul's doing. So at the end when I was like, Oh, he's like pulling from real shit. Here, I thought like if this is just from the twisted mind of Paul Verhoeven, I'm like this must piss them off like crazy, right? But when it's a real person, much like his studies of Jesus, he's just accounting for like, look, we can interpret whether or not these were real phenomenon, but the person, their actions were real. Uh, the outrage is kind of funny because it is sort of what the movie is about, right? The, although I'll say the outrage has been muted. We're not, a, sure, we don't no. have a, what a last temptation or Christ situation. No, no one's really, there's too. really only like one bagpipe player outside at this. No, point. people are not nearly as angry as they were when the first Sonic design was released. Yeah, exactly. Right. That was 500 times angrier. Right. Yes. I'm still processing a lot of this movie and also try, trying to understand the, uh, the historical significance of this in a lot of ways. So the historical, so Benedetta, Carlini, Ben saw this week. Name. David and Marie have seen it twice. Now I saw and right, had I, more time to digest. Right. I saw it at a press screening. I rewatched my. I had a screener of it, so I rewatched that this morning. Um, Benedetta Carlini was a real woman who mm-hmm. existed in Italy in the 17th century, mm-hmm. and uh, she is interesting as a historical figure because she is one of the only women who was not an aristocrat who we have historic records of. Interesting. It's similar to The Last Duel in that way, uh-huh. which is also right, based women on are a true so story. Rarely, right, actually in the records. Where we have yeah. court records of the existence of this woman's life. Um, she was uh, promised to a community of spiritual women. It was not yet a convent. Okay. So they weren't officially sanctioned by the Catholic Church. Right. But this they, movie kind of cleans right. that up just because it's too complicated. I feel um, like. yeah. And she uh, was uh, promised because when she was born, it was a very difficult labor and they didn't think that she was going to survive. Mm-hmm. And her parents prayed and she came out alive and her mother survived, which was not always the case. Benedetta. Blessed. So she came into this world with Jesus on her side. Mm-hmm. And as uh, she grew up and established herself as part of this community of spiritual women, she um, started to experience visions of Christ and uh, people started to pay attention to her. There's so much other shit too, like the nightingale would sing to her as a child. Right. And she would talk to the nightingale and it would like obey her. A dog came and tried to steal her away. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this dog is an agent of Satan. Like, and that's what's going on there. Right. Like stuff like that. You know, so people she, are bored. Yes. Not, she, to, pe- not to diminish. And uh, she, 
up until this point in the Catholic Church, mysticism was a very common aspect of things. Mm -hmm. There, people, people were having bored. a lot of religious visions. They were bored. They and also, also, yeah, they're probably getting ill. God knows what they're doing. Out I mean, there. I don't know if lead paint was a thing. <laughs> but yeah, this is what I'm saying. Alexa doesn't exist, right? You know? So people and mysticism and these really like elaborate visions of sure. Christ, sure, very um, elaborate portrayals of Christ and in reading, art. Are you reading this book that's full of magic? All kinds of wacky also, magic. Over and over again, the entire culture is built around it. It's like one of the only things you talk about. Right. It's hard not to have everything processed through. This right. must be this. This must it's be right. divine intervention. The most weird thing about religion where they're like, man, life used to be magic. Fucking beasts and right. people transforming right. shit. And it's like, well, why is my life so shitty? I live in a poop hole. Like, yeah. And my kids are all dead. And it's like, well, just read the book. Hey, come on. This right. stuff it's is really fucking there. Yeah. 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 Right. Ben Benedetta would have these visions and she'd be very vocal about it and people started to listen to her. Mm -hmm. um, and she probably would have continued uh, being this mystic figure with a lot of respect from her community mm -hmm. if she... Two things didn't happen. The first being this history of mysticism within the Catholic Church was starting to get squashed by the uh, Catholic Counter-Reformation. So you have the Reformation happening in Protestantism with Martin Luther and all that stuff that's sort of reforming that aspect of the church. Then in Catholicism, they were like, oh shit, we kind of have to catch up to that. So mm -hmm. let's rein in the crazies. Sure. Let's not, you know, we don't want people thinking we're like a religion of Loons. Loonies. Right, right. So let, let's tone down these mystical we can't, visions. We can't just have every local freaking right. so-and-so being like, Jesus talked to me yesterday. He said I get to eat three sandwiches. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was happening. And then the real Benedetta was, uh, she, she said she had this vision where Jesus had asked her to marry him. Right. And she wanted to stage an elaborate wedding to Christ and she was very particular about all of the like supporting actors that would be in this kind of staged presentation of her wedding it's her wedding she I should, mean she's she a bit of a bridezilla she, yeah come on <laughs> but <laughs> but that was just like a little too she just kind of went overboard with the theatricality of it mm -hmm. and that's when people started to question her and start to try and bring her down okay oh, but flower I mean, have, you watch any season of 90 Day Fiance and people <laughs> right. freak Say out yes for to a the dress. Yeah. She also had stigmata. As right. She, she had the stigmata, which originally was considered like irrevocable proof of her, you know, real yeah. relationship with Jesus. But, you know, after the wedding, mm -hmm. other people came into the picture and started to question. Nuncios start showing up eventually. Right. They start asking questions as depicted in this movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Turns out she'd done some light fraudage with another <laughs> nun. <laughs> I don't think the... Uh, yeah, what level of historical record is that? Yes. Yeah, so... Uh, definitely was found to there have, was yeah, there, consorted. There is within the... Uh, Bartolomea. Within the court records, Bartolomea, who is the sort of young novice in the mm -hmm. film and also existed in real life. Also really fun name to say. Both of these characters' Bo names Bartolome. are really, I mean, incredible names. Benedetta. 
I would have thought they were made up if they weren't real. Me too. That's why I was just like, yeah. oh, Paul Verhoeven's making a lesbian nun film called Benedetta. It's funny. It's like Vendetta. It's so want, lurid. Right. Do you want me to read you the actual testimony of what they did? Yeah, because yeah. it's funny. <laughs> Benedetta then for two continuous years, at least three times a week in the evening after disrobing and going to bed would wait for her companion to disrobe and pretending to need her. And that's the real sin. Mm. Lying. Would call out. Bartolome would come over. Benedetta would grab her by the arm and throw her by force onto the bed. Embracing her, she would put her under herself and kissing her as if she was a man. She would speak words of love to her and she would stir on top of her so much that both of them corrupted themselves. Sort of a euphemism there that you got to catch all. I like the Basically, she's behaving as a man is sort of the the most incriminating. And the the difference between the events in the film and what, you know, the actual court testimony the court testimony um benedetta claims that she was being possessed by right. a demon right. named right. spiritodello i mm-hmm. think correct uh, sorry Splen- splenditodello splenditodello what another incredible fucker. name horny demon <laughs> yeah uh yeah she was like it was it was the that that guy did it right so in, in real life she said she was possessed in the movie no, well, she's, look, she's all whole, woman. This is the whole thing about the But it's also kind of Jesus flowing through her. Sure, and he's hot. Possessed. He's this hot. This guy is H-O-T. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, David? The whole thing about this movie? Well, it's like the whole time you're like, wait, does she believe her own bullshit or is she, you know. That's the big question. Really, really smart. Shit. I mean, that's, right. that's what I find fast about that. Of course, I'm not surprised that people are upset about this movie. The very people who of course were destined to be upset about this movie and will never ever even consider watching it or reading about what it's actually doing but as you said not knowing the actual story not knowing it was even based on a real story just seeing the fucking posters where i feel like it was like cleavage with a cross fucking yeah the original poster was like, like a, a little hint of nipple right it, it was just in like a non-habit he's just going full like fucking like what, what's it called devil's candy the fake movie at the beginning of tropic thunder yeah, like, he's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah it felt to me satan's like, alley satan's alley. alley i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> devil's candy's a real movie <laughs> i know uh satan's alley uh that that's what it felt like where i was just like and i would have been down for that like just paul being like ah fuck you I'm right. going to make them kiss each other a lot. But he does have a reverence for the That's subject matter, which is so cool. It's interesting about this. And I think he's really trying to make them. I think he's trying to contend with people's relationship to religion, right. both individual and cultural. And uh, he's doing that through a, a, a specific story and a character that really tests a lot of our beliefs. I don't know. I mean, it, it, there, there is, there's very interesting uh, area for interpretation in this movie. Sure, and I feel like he does not, which I love, really hmm. come down on. Well, yes, I, I prefer this to the other version where we're either seeing someone who just completely is, you know, believes this is what's happening, mm-hmm. or the person who is. We see her planning to stage her stigmata, or right, what, right, and instead it's like, oh, she had that thing. And were you doing something with that? And she's like, no. And you're like, okay. Mm. Like, you know, I don't know what to make right. of that. Right. You know, like there's, it's just sort of planted. Fairhoven gave an interview with the New York Times recently about Benedetta. And when he spoke about what attracted him to this project, mm-hmm. it wasn't just the... Hot Jesus. It wasn't just the Christianity angle. Sure. It was, he wanted to make another film similar to Total Recall and Basic Instinct, where you have... Can you believe this person? Is this real? Right. right. You have this unreliable 
narrative mm-hmm. and an unreliable protagonist, and there is no clear answer and unre- at the end. And an unreliable reality. Like, right. There, I mean, it's so interesting. Religion is the ultimate unreliable reality. Because right. like, there is no faith is right. believing something without proof. Like, there were the scenes where she's sort of possessed, where he's doing effects on her voice. Like, uh, what's her name in uh, Dune? Yes. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson in Dune. Right. She does the voice. <laughs> right. And, but it's... If she did that to me, I'd be like, Ooh. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's also where you're like, she could just be doing this yourself. That's the thing. So yeah. it's like, you can tell they put some sort of post effect on her in those moments. I assume so. But right? it's also not so heightened that it's like impossible that someone could do that with their voice. Especially if you're about to be thrown on a freaking right. burning pie or whatever. I might be right. like, Jesus said that you all suck. And everyone's like, right. oh, he did. Oh, and then shit. you have what? scenes where there's like copious like CGI blood coming out via stigmata. And you're just like, well, that feels like he's putting his thumb on the scale. This has to be taken as real. And then people will like pull up shards of clay and be like, I found this in your fucking pocket. But as, as something that you, because I just listened to the Total Recall episode sure. oh, that you guys did. Interesting. Um, and <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> there's mm. something you said about how the uh, that movie it's is critic like proof. critic proof yes. because no matter what happens, you can say, oh, it was in the the right. dream structure. It right. doesn't matter that the narrative doesn't make sense. And her response to everything. Even if she cu- did cut herself right. with glass to create a stigmata, yeah. Jesus made me do it. Of course, that's you can always you of can course. always go back to that. I th- right. I personally think that Benedetta believes her bullshit one hundred percent. I think the ending is probably the best confirmation. Yeah. Though, right. where she's like, kind of want to go back to the convent. Right, she gets, yeah. she quote unquote gets away with it. <laughs> right. right, right. She has a clean break. And it's like, she does just, not get burned at the stake. You get to like, hang out in a farmhouse and fuck. And she's like, I'm going to go back there. And they're like, they'll burn you. It's like, right. But if they burn me, I'll obviously live because Jesus flows through me. So. <laughs> right. right. And right. I, I think her religious visions as depicted in the film are genuine to her experience. Sure. Yes. I, yeah, yes. But they might have just been really cool dreams that she had. I mean, they're, about they're really Jesus. cool ge- dreams. I wrote down, you know, like I took notes during the movie. Uh, Jesus slashing snakes yeah. with That's his sword. first entrance. Though. Yeah, I mean, that right. was really cool. Right. Um, also, Jesus does not have a penis. Did you guys notice that? Yes. I did, yes. When she I takes off couldn't his little loincloth on the cross. away or just sort of not there. Yeah, yeah. wasn't sure what to do. It, it, it was He was tucked, but I Look thought that was a cool yeah. little, no, yeah. Yeah, for sure. little yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, um, and then there's the other sequence where it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's, it's scary a scary man. man. Yes. Yes. They don't yeah. talk about Jesus going to the bathroom, do they? Like, in, the in the Bible? Did they come and then, like, it's like, did he sit down? Did it's he like Mark the seat 8, 12, and then Jesus went number two, yeah. and he came out, and he said that it was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, and this... this or he was like, whew, don't go in there. You know? right. Something like that. This movie talks about going to the bathroom. Yeah, this movie's it. got some great pooping, it's farting got a, scenes. a battle shit scene. Yeah. Okay, well... <laughs> right, I Googled, did Jesus poop? <laughs> what, what came up, dude? Yeah. An answer on Quora from... Peter Francis Joseph DeFazio sounds like said, a real Catholic. Yes, Jesus is like us in all ways except sin. He had normal human physiology, so he ate, drank, urinated, and defecated like any other human being. Mm-hmm. And in as unsavory a topic as this might seem, while Jesus was a baby, I'm quite certain the Blessed Virgin Mary changed quite a few of his diapers. 
Oh, that's kind of cute. I think I got to disagree with this read. You, you're, you're out on this. <laughs> you don't think Jesus pooped? Well, no. In my mind, Dookie is the original sin. So, <laughs> so you're saying he's not without sin. I'm right? saying either he was without sin or he pooped. But you're. what about like that? this is like the proof of his, you know, godhood is like he pooped without sin. Every time it was an unsinful poop. Do you feel that when you go to the bathroom? <laughs> you're sitting? That's the deeper question. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it certainly feels like punishment. I know someone who as a toddler. I feel like I have to atone afterwards. As a toddler uh, would go behind the couch to poop and oh. would just kind of stand there. With, with diaper on. With diaper on. Okay. And it was like, yeah, he didn't, he didn't want anyone looking like yeah. he would go. Yeah. yeah. When my daughter poops, she mostly just goes, goes like, ah, and like looks at me. She's she's definitely not. She ashamed. goes full Bobcat gold. <laughs> you'll be like, why are you so wound up? And then you're like, oh, you're pooping. That's yeah. That's what's going on with you. That's right. really funny. Yeah. Um, okay. This movie starts with her being. It's a little kid. She's a mm-hmm. little yeah. kid and she's being, she's, she's paying her tuition right. essentially. It's got the classic modern Disney princess opening where you start out right. with a little version of the main character so you can sell merch of her. Right. right. And she, uh, <laughs> baby Benedetta. She, she talks back. She's very bold with yes. some local bandit types. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're just like, look, I'm telling you, uh, our daughter made for this shit. <laughs> You and gotta right. take her. Uh, Rampling, who, by the way, incredible, just absolutely taking. And, and one of those pain. people where you cannot believe that she has not worked with Paul Verhoeven yet. I mean, the obvious answer is, yeah. I guess he's only made three movies in the last twenty five years, twenty years. Also, that you can't believe that she's fucking English. People have almost forgotten that this woman is not, you I know. know, French or Italian. I know. She's an English lady. She's got range. She's she's so got range. But it's it just she's she's just such a fucking good bit for him yeah mm-hmm. yeah it is i also thought it was funny that like this opening sequence i was like huh i think he's doing some mild cgi de-aging on rampling it, couldn't it tell felt, if it was a lot of makeup or some cgi it felt light there was just she's very smooth of, i didn't notice it the weird light reflection when people she's have got been, a very smooth face right so i like i sensed that and then i was looking at her parents and i was like are they de-aging them a little bit right or they're they, gonna be I later think they make them look that's older. the thing yeah. So it's like they cast the parents at the age they are in only the first scene. And for right. the rest of the movie, they have prosthetics on. Right. And then Rampling, I think, was de-aged a little bit. It's um, possible. Because that seems some light beauty work, as we years. call it in the biz. Yes. Yes. But she also uh, looks, looks incredible. Great. Right. Looks incredible and just has such a credible presence. Yeah. I guess the reason why I was just like, what a good fit for Verhoeven is just like, Charlotte Rampling can play judgment better than almost anyone alive. Right. Just the sort of like withering stare. She's she's got a good wither. Yes. But yes, okay, so she's gifted to them. Right. And Charlotte Rampling is the original abbess mm-hmm. of this in the film, it's a straight up convent. It's a convent. They don't they, yeah, they, they don't, don't get into get the, the gray areas. Right. Did but, it did it become a convent later or was it so, always? So conv- in the okay. film, yeah. It is to Charlotte Rampling and everyone else in the town of yeah. Pesha's yes. advantage that Benedetta become this mystic. Because that will they legitimize want to be- them? They want to okay. believe that she is having these visions because right. in the film, they're saying it will bring them fame and fortune. Because there, there is sure. literally a line in the movie where they're like, you see what happened to a sissy after St. Francis? Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. We got to get ourselves a saint. Right. It, 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 she's like uh, Rick Mackey hoping that uh, the Williams sisters turn out well. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Macy. Great. God damn it. Yeah. And I watched like a two hour video of the real Rick Macy the other Who night. is weirder than yeah, uh, Bernthal in the movie. Down. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. So much weird. Bernthal's so good. Yeah. Uh, but it is, yeah, it is 
and that's an in so I kind of want to talk about how Benedetta has a lot of callbacks to past Fairhoven mm-hmm. films. Because when we get into this idea of uh, the finances of the convent, mm-hmm. of uh, people wanting to believe that Benedetta is, you know, real because it will, you know, give them money. I mean, it, the, he's always had a history in his films with kind of being an, I, I don't know if I'd say so much an anti-capitalist, but obviously very critical of yes. capitalism. Yes. And especially in America, um, yeah, but, and I think I think the uh, the the dehumanization that results the right. prioriti- the prioritization of right. capitalism above life, right. But what I think intensifies this all is that the plague is happening, right? Yeah, we because have not the, mentioned the plague yet. The stakes are <laughs> yeah. so high. I mean, yes. people are like they are showing just people strewn, dead bodies strewn in the street. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is awful. And then yet this man, this, you know, who we meet later in the movie, but I'll just reference him now. The nuncio. He's just eating food and just like a, and his wife is squirting milk from her kitty. That that juxtaposition, it's so (laughs) fucked up. Yeah. And that is based in reality, especially in Italy at the time. They're like, the popes were in like Renaissance Italy. What wasn't one of them like a Medici? Like, yeah, I think so. there was yeah. a lot of corruption within the Catholic Church at the time where like popes were getting married. Mm-hmm. People were re- making bank off of their religious status. It was a very corrupt environment. Um, and this character, the nuns, the first company. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I don't know if this is. Uh, Are you going to go back to the Marvel thing? No, 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 no. <laughs> I wasn't. I, uh, I think maybe that we'll garner even less excitement from the crowd that I'm about to say, but it was like a thing that, that hit me while watching this. We live in a time where there are increasingly people who want to build their entire identity around the idea that they're anti-cancel culture, right? Mm. And a lot of them are not even people who are ever going to find themselves in the crosshairs. Right. You see these people who are like proactively like cancel culture is the ultimate pox of our time. How dare we? This is inhuman, right? Which like the entire notion of cancel culture, which I don't think really exists is essentially two phenomenons happen simultaneously, one of which is, like, a long-overdue cultural reckoning with things that we have never, ever asked for accountability on, right? Like, systemic issues that have always been sort of swept under the rug, ignored, uh, covered up, what have you. And then also just the innate human behavior to want to shame other people to feel better about yourselves, which I think social media has just lit a fucking flame under and given us, like, super weapons to be able to to do right and then you and, and people want to talk about this as like this modern pox of our time whereas like all oh, human behavior is just fucking cyclical we just keep on getting new tools and outlets to be able to do the same basic instincts we have which are stupid fucking animals and we're all just afraid we're gonna die and we want to eat and have a place to live and all of that and you watch this movie and you're like there used to just be a guy like Christopher Lambert, and he just it's like Chris- Lambert Wilson. Lambert Wilson, crazy I, people. I made this mistake before we pressed record. There used the to be like a singular guy, like Lambert Wilson, could just go like, uh, I don't know, sounds guilty to me, and then you drag a person through a town and have everyone yell at them and fucking set them on fire. What people else are you like, gonna do that day? But this is my play. Everyone's like cancel, and we just love watching these people oh, suffer. Louis C.K. just has to sit right, in his right, ten right, million right, dollar apartment. Cancel culture. We're not talking about cancel culture. No, no, but I think. 
that it is, I think it is part of this movie. I'm not saying this movie is his commentary on cancel culture, but it is these basic human instincts is what cancel culture is a manifestation of is like this purity test we're always fucking doing, you know, of just like this balance of wanting to idolize people and being like, this makes you uncomfortable. Fuck them. They have to be taken down immediately. How dare you? And in this culture that is so dominated by religion, Benedetta is essentially doing the shit that they've all been prepping their entire lives to be able to witness, right? Like the course of Catholicism is like, Jesus is going to fucking come back. He's going to come back for us and some magical shit's going to happen again. Like David was saying, I know like, oh, the book, you read all the magic and now we walk around, everything sucks. But someday the magic guy's going to come back. Magical shit's going to happen. He's going to save us all. And then Benedetta sort of shows up and is like, hey, magical guy flowing through me. Here's some magical shit. And everyone's like, fuck this so hard. You know, there's like such an immediate revulsion to everything she's well, doing. Well, there, there, there is a, a value judgment in the film, which yes. is that the sort of corruption that Charlotte Rampling and some of the other and, and the nuncio, they are corrupt financially. They're mm-hmm. very concerned with money. There's a whole thing about how when Benedetta is promised to the convent that her parents have to pay, you know, a, a, a dowry fee mm-hmm. and Charlotte Rampling is, you know, if if she was a normal bride, you'd have to pay this much money. But just because of, she's a bride of Jesus, you're going to cheapskate me. Sure. And uh, so you know, the money was a was a big thing. And but and that was Bartolomea. What uh, I'm fucking up her name, but there's that similar scene because she Bartolomea. Bartolomea is taken in because she's being chased by her father who raped her repeatedly, abusing her. Yeah. And she's trying to escape. Right. But and, but Rampling is like, I, yeah, it seems like a, a bad situation. But Ponto De Niro right, for right. Me. Yeah, yeah, this is a like, convent. They're right. literally aligned. This is a convent, not a charity house, right, which right. is funny. Yeah. Right. And then Benedetta and her parents are both like, come the fuck well, on. Well, no, no. Benedetta's like that. And the parents are like, okay, we'll pay your freaking tuition. I guess right. Yeah. Away from a rapist dad. Right. Like, so then, yeah. like, Rampling is negotiating what the prices she'll take. And then once that deal's closed, Ben does dad's like, come on, you're not leaving me out of there. <laughs> right. Like, they're going to pay out everybody. But that's, fucking- that's, yes. that's sanctioned. Of course. Of within, course. Within the world of the film, that yes. kind of corruption is fine. Right. Benedetta is, when she becomes the, the abbess, sort of replacing Charlotte Rampling in a, what I thought was a fun little connection to showgirls. Uh-huh. <laughs> replacing crystal yes uh that uh she is um not so interested in the finances there's literally she literally makes a point of hiding the dildo mm-hmm. in the financial ledger of the convent they cut right. they right. cut out the pages of that book to hide the you religious dildo yeah so like she's her corruption it corruption in quotes is sexual and that is inexcusable well right i think financial corruption is fine but right. she's and crossing it, a line by it being also feels queer like, and sexual exactly right her her queerness the the sexual imp, quote unquote impropriety of her behavior is the thing they're able to hang their hat up on and be like see dead to rights come on how are you going to fucking defend this but i also think part of what's interesting about this movie and it is the ambiguity of like do we buy benedetta does the movie believe in benedetta or not is that you kind of go like the Ramplings, the Lamberts, Wil- Wilsons. They, are they more threatened by her because they think it's a put on or because if it was real, that actually threatens them because more? Because they know it's not real or they think like Rampling but, doesn't buy any of it. But I'm saying both both ways are a threat to them. No, right? 100%. If someone's fucking faking, that's like that undermines their power. But also if she's real, then it's like 
as Rampling sort of later says in the movie, like he doesn't speak to me. Right. right. So if he speaks to you, then who the fuck am I? Rampling's running a business. She's right. like, you know, she wants to just run a tight ship over here. We get the money. Right. We make the fucking, what are the things? The spools? The the bobbins. The bobbins. The we send out some bobbins. You but know, everyone like, gets fed. It's not like the end of the world. But, I'm you know. top of the pyramid. You can't know more than I do. But he she can't be speaking Rampling's character doesn't have any delusions of grandeur. Is what I'm saying. Right. Like obviously Lambert sure. Wilson, he's the nuncio. He's like right. a big he's the deal. one I think is more threatened. By well, he he's yeah. exactly like he. They actually need to stamp a Benedetta out. Rampling is just trying to fucking you know not rock the boat over here. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want the nuncio coming down mm-hmm. or being like mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that is that is her fatal. Her, that's like right. her right. fatal sin is she brings the nuncio to this. She brings a man into this predominantly female environment. Yeah, and he is immediately threatened. Which, which is a theme mm-hmm. in Verhoeven's films mm-hmm. by a queer woman who... An outspoken woman. An outspoken queer a, woman a girl with boss, power. one might say. Uh, the original girl boss. And she's, she's very comfortable in her power. Yeah, she is. I, I think it's... it's so d- did you actually watch Robocop? Yeah, of course. Last night? Okay. Because yeah. for me, I watched... I, I, I rewatched Benedetta and then I watched... Basic Instinct, The Fourth Man, and Total Recall mm-hmm. and prep for this. Okay. And I think that, I, I think the similarities between this and Basic Instinct are actually kind of, they're surprisingly strong. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I think that Benedetta is a Catherine Trammell type character. Sure, where you don't yes. quite know right. yeah. what she's, yeah. she's driving her, what where she wants to end up. Yeah. She is, again, like, she's a very powerful queer queer woman, very open with her sexuality. And also, she's creative. Catherine Trammell is a writer. And the whole thing was, like, she became a suspect because she wrote a book. Right. Right. And that was the thing that Michael Douglas Mm -hmm. is consistently surprised by. Like, why are you doing this? She's like, to learn about you for my book. You're a character in my book. I'm doing research. And he cannot wrap his head around the fact that she's a writer. So is Lambert Wilson's purple <laughs> robes, is that like Michael Douglas's sweater? Is that the parallel there? I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say their clothes are similar. I think they both kind of have these like, their skin feels very like thinly stretched over their faces. They have this like, I wouldn't say it's an overtly macho energy in a traditional sense, mm-hmm. but it is like, um, it, it's a toxic masculinity sure. Sure. in uh, in Benedetta. The the toxicity is literal because he literally brings the plague yes. to the convent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I think that um, when talking about Catherine Trammell as a a writer and a creator and something that's not being uh, understood by the man in the film Benedetta in real life and in the movie is very theatrical. She's mm-hmm. all she our first introduction to Benedetta as a grown woman is in the middle of a play. That she's the right. star. That she's right. the star. She's right. the best one. Right. She's yeah, good. She's she's she, good. People in the audience like she's good. Like my first reaction after seeing Benedetta for the first time was like, oh, she has main character energy before realizing like she's literally the main character in a movie. Like that's a stupid thing to think. Uh, no, but, yeah, but no, she, yeah. she 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 yes. She has a flair for drama. The whole thing about her, like, dig a grave for me. I'm going to, like, resurrect myself. Well, this she wants to be carried into the, the square that has been on donkeys yeah. like Christ. She's very theatrical. And that is 
what gets her in trouble. You have the thing as a child where the statue falls on top of her. Right. And everyone, like 75% of the people are like, a sign, a blessing. People are like, a little convenient. Right. I mean, she, she's the one who has the statue fall on top of her. Her being creative. Yeah. Is one of, one of the things that, you know, people want to, uh, knock her down for. Can we talk about this actress for a second? Because I I did some digging. Because I was Virginie like, Efira. She's right. an L. I, she's, she's in Sybil, which is kind of a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. that was a good movie. I liked yeah. Sybil. But but she was uh like a TV presenter. She yeah. was like she was on like the Belgian or reporter, French version of American uh, Idol or Weather whatever. Woman. Like yeah, like yeah. she was on a children's show called Mega Mix. Yeah, she was yeah. like primarily like. A, a very pretty TV presenter. She's very pretty. Very pretty. Mm-hmm. Who then, like, in her 30s, made a pivot. Where you have to imagine there was probably some pushback. Of, like, oh, she wants to do movies now. To mostly, like, romantic comedies that were well-received. And people were like, oh, she's fucking winning. She's getting, like, Cesar nominations. But that's, like, her zone. She mostly does sort of, like, lighter, I feel like, adult dramas and romantic comedies. Romance-based things. She has the supporting part in Elle as the, the next-door neighbor, the wife of the next-door neighbor. She does. You know the thing I'm about to say. I assume. I mean, if you don't, if you don't say it, I'm going to say it. David's giving me the knowing look. She is, of course, in France, the voice of Mavis in all three Holter Transylvania right. movies. Wow. She's done a lot of dubs, I think. Like, there's yes. other dubs, that that, like her, Garfield, apparently. That was her breakthrough. So but, that was before she was acting herself. It was like celebrity casting, who's a famous person we can get to do the dubs. For family movies and then those were big enough that she started acting on camera again but this is like a very different role for her i think she's such fun casting i in do this too movie. it's just like i was watching this and i was like is this some like legend of french theater like who is this why does she look for mine i saw the l thing and then i was working backwards from there and i'm like this is like if like I, 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 Maria Menudos like suddenly got like a supporting role in a Verhoeven movie and then he was like you're the star of the next one and she went like fucking cam on it well I think like my friend Kristen after she saw this movie her review of it was just to send this tweet from a while ago that was like some actors you can't buy in a period piece like Jessica Biel has a face that knows yes. about text messaging seen a cell phone, and yeah. so her problem with the film was that she thinks that she's too modern. Be- Benedetta, she just looks too modern. Hmm. You can literally see like the roots in sure. her hair from where she was blonde. But my take, Benedetta had to be blonde. I agree. She has to be a movie star. I also <laughs> I this think she has to be modern. I think she I, represents the she thread of the feel a little right. like weirdly confident in a way that doesn't make sense. Right. Like there's the she's this confident little girl who the right. fucking statue falls on, and the girl's like, hmm, does the Virgin Mary want me to? Kiss on her titty? Is that what she's interested in? But she has the supporting role in Elle where she's very good. She gets like she the big last good. scene. That's but, her but, big but moment. That, but her character in Elle, of course, is the one who leans yes. over to Hubert and is like, you know, thanks for doing all that insane shit with my husband because I'm not really right. into mm-hmm. it. Right. And yeah. Verhoeven is like prepping this movie and he's just like, she impressed me in that last scene. I just gave her the part. He never tested her. He never auditioned her. He never talked about it with her. Well, he, he did. He called her up and he's like, you want to be in my lesbian nun movie? She's like, okay. He's like, there's going to be a sex scene. She's like, cool. He's like, there's a dildo made from a statue of the Virgin Mary. She's like, dildo? Hmm, interesting. Okay. He told her everything entailed. <laughs> I guess the point I read in this interview with her was that, like, she was like, he never talked to me about how I should play the reality of this, what the, right. what the uh, opinion of the movie is, you know? Like, she was like, he gave me complete autonomy to make any of those decisions myself about whether internally I am playing this as a con 
or as reality. And I decide to play everything with conviction, which is the right choice in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But it's, it, it's just, uh, you got to give him credit for recognizing the ability for her to deliver this performance. Cause it does not sound like it was an obvious pick in any way. Um, she's so good. I think she's great. Um, and, uh, I think everyone in this is really good. I think rambling rules, obviously, but I really like, uh, what her name is. Daphne Patakia. She just got that kind of like wounded soul thing going on. Yeah. 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 Very feral. right? Right. Um, I like mean old uh, Christina, Louise che- Chevillier. Uh-huh. Oh, we haven't talked about Christina yet. The mean girl. Which, she, which feels to me like a, a fun reference to, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the name of the mo- Black Narcissus? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, yeah, that, that whole drama, that's, that's my least favorite part of the movie, which is sort of the second act that's sort of their power struggle, but it's still good. I'm I, more into the first and last. I mean, the last act is where I was like, the last this is act a great is, movie. is great. I, yeah. I, I, this is paying off for me in huge. Pretty it's Lambert it. Wilson being like, you're still fucking lying. When she comes back from the dead. Yeah. That's yeah. when the movie's like really cooking yeah. with gas. Although I enjoyed the whole thing. It isn't, me I too. mean, you're talking, Marie, like the, the, the overlaps with other Verhoeven works, right? It's like, it really is Catherine Trammell for this. Cause then you look at the other, especially within his Hollywood films, right? And it's like, you have the protagonists who are, like Robocop and uh, uh, Nomi, Nomi and uh, Showgirls. Showgirls are like innocents, right? They are innocents who show up with a kind of purity and are punished for and then end up coming into their own power and sense of self and being able to work things their own way. And then you have characters like Johnny Rico and uh, Quaid in Total Recall who are kind of just idiots. Right. Who the movie like happens to. And they don't understand that they're pawns within a larger system, whether or not they have any agency or any of that. But like Tremel is is that example of a character where you just don't fucking know exactly whether or not they're on the level and whether it's on you for judging them or questioning them. You know, it's it's an interesting line. And you think about how controversial that movie was when it came out. Right. How outraged people were, despite it being a huge fucking blockbuster. It It does make sense that that's. That's the thing he's latching onto. But I also think it's like it's like his obsession with Jesus, where it's like, I think it would be almost impossible for him to make the kind of Jesus movie he wants to make. However, you can pick a figure like Benedetta, where similarly there is historical records of some amount of things that happened, and you can show them on screen and then debate over whether or not this had any actual supernatural power behind it, which is, I think, what he's into. It's also just like, how would we react if Jesus fucking showed up today? People have spent centuries just going like, come on, he's coming back. He's coming back. And it's like, if he came back, people would probably be like, I don't know. Fuck you. Let's fucking take this guy out back and beat the shit out of him. I don't, bl- I don't buy it for a second. Most, most saints, especially back in medieval times and pre-medieval times, were martyrs. Yeah. Right, because no bad. one believed like, them. Right. <laughs> God, you got how much oil poured on you? Ah, oh, shit. Could you, you could be a saint? Right. Uh, is, that, is that clear it up at all? I know you're dead, but... Like, it's a lot of the black comedy of this movie is that, like, here's you're steeped in this world of, like, the obsession with the imagery, right? And the statues and the paintings and everything everywhere. And that no one stops to, like, check themselves when they start to put her through the exact same shit. Yeah, the ending, man. This is, we, we, we can get to it if we want to get it. If, we, if you guys want to talk about other stuff, that's fine. I just want to talk about Lambert Wilson. We can, we can talk about Lambert it, it's Wilson. It's just, for one, I love the man, obviously. <laughs> I mean, he's the Merovingian. He's the Merovingian. He's in lots of other. He's in what's it, what's it called? The um, 
fuck, what is it called? Griff, help me out here. The Wolf movie? Is yeah, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Isn't he in that? Yes. Maybe he's right? not. Yes. Am I? Maybe no, I think he not. is. Are we wrong about that? Why do we think that? Did, he's he's bringing... in the Matrix Reloaded, the Matrix Revolutions, the Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> he is in those. Yeah, he's not in Brotherhood of the Wolf. Man, why did what I am I thinking? He's in a De Gaulle biopic. Cool. He played De Gaulle? No. That, I didn't realize he was in the new Matrix. Oh, yeah, he did. Yes, he is. Oh, yeah. That's What a year for him. I know. He's in Catwoman, of course. That's mm. right. He's the villain in Catwoman. I guess well, Sharon, Stone's Sharon Stone's the main Stone. one, yes. but he's sort of the... The sort of one who invented the de-aging cream or whatever it is. He's the villain in the Marsupilami movie. Um, I guess I really just know him from The Matrix. But no, there's but I feel like there's some big French crossover Babylon there. AD. I'm like, isn't there something pre-Matrix Sahara? I'm just looking at all these sort of like paycheck timeline Hollywood villain roles he took. But I'm like, what was the crossover movie I'm forgetting? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but uh what was I going to say? Um, his whole character, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, comes in with an agenda, is trying to take down Benedetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got this additional problem with the plague. I mean, the scene early when he's arriving and there's the sort of I am Pagliacci scene where the guy is like, oh, I don't know what to do. And he's like, go talk to your local priest. He's like, I am the local right. priest. Yeah. Well, like, that's so funny, obviously. Great. Yes. Um, but, uh, but, you know, he tries to take her down. He fails. Because she she does her crazy voice, she's much more compelling than him well, in a lot of ways. The craziest part of this, which is like Charlotte Rampling goes and is like, "I need you to come fucking check this thing out." R- yeah. While they're gone, she dies. She dies. She straight up dies, and then he shows up, and they're like, "Bad news, she's dead." And he's like, "What the fuck came all this fucking?" Well, not away? not only bad news is she dead, she's dead, but bad news, you're not even allowed to come into the town the plague, because Benedetta says we're stopping the plague, right. and no one's allowed to enter into right. our city, right? Yes. But it forces so, his way through, which is another just brilliant example of that sort of double sided yes. thing where it, it's advantageous to Benedetta that they not come in the town because they won't expose her. Right. But it also she's her, is she's right politically on the shrewd. Yes. <laughs> she really should not yeah. be letting people in. <laughs> they really right. should close the <laughs> door. The Sound guidance. Yeah. But what she's been dead for like three days, he comes in and is like, okay, let me look at no, the body. Not three days. It was the it's afternoon. A, okay. It's a while. And then she's like, <gasps> I'm up, baby. Who's right. this fucker? Right. She's not quite like that, but she's up. She's talking. Right. He tries to. He's like, ah, I don't buy it. As you say, of course, she's a political, powerful threat to him mm-hmm. that he recognizes. But there's that insecurity, which is what I love about this movie that he and Rampling have, where they're like, is Jesus actually talking to her? Like, yes. You know, wait a second. I just read a bunch of books and passed all my tests and sucked the right dicks and paid the right. Guys, and that's and if, why I'm the nuncio. I didn't realize that Jesus could talk to you. Right, right. We like in theory, our power system is based on biding time until Jesus comes back and then tells us what to do. And the second someone's like, "Hey, just want you know, I got a message from Jesus. Here's what to do." They're like, "Fuck, let's just hold that for one mm, second." I don't want to do that right. though. Wait, you, who who told you? Been like 15 years working up the rungs it's of the ladder. A, I mean, not to spoil, but the man is stabbed to death at the end. He's dying. This is it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she's given him the whole like, "Oh yeah." I've seen heaven. You're Past, in heaven. Present and future, baby. It's covered in plague boils, by the way. We He's, not also. He's not looking good. He's not looking good. Can we and talk about how cool the plague makeup. is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nasty. Get, you get like black bubbles on your body. It feels very like total recall mutant yeah. makeup Like I like how makeup-y it is. Yeah. yeah. Right, you know, right, it's right. not realistic. It's stylized, but it's upsetting. 
Oh, it's gnarly. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Well, and Ben, I know we have to talk about the farting entertainer. We will. Don't worry. <laughs> we, 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 we'll, the flatulist. We'll I haven't forgotten about him. <laughs> That's like Paul Verhoeven right at the start being like, don't worry. It's okay. Yeah. Fart ben, man is don't worry. <laughs> there is but, a man dressed in a skeleton costume. There are three guys there dressed in three skeleton yeah, B-boys yeah. and then but a no, farting yeah. guy. We will, we will devote many but minutes. To me, David. there's so much pathos and the guy is fucking dying. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, Benedetta, come on. Am I going to heaven? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, he's like, I heard you died. And when you died, you crossed over. And she's like, I've seen it all. There's she a says, paradise. There's a bad future. place. Right. I get it. I know for a fact. Right. Good place, bad place. And he's still, even in his last one, he's like, full of shit, Jesus. And now I'm dead. Ah! Like, well, you know, it's right. such she, a good for He open. looks her in the he eyes lied and tells to her, the very like, end. where am I going? And she like has the moment where she does the math and goes like paradise. And he's like, you fucking liar. Because yeah. he's like, you may be either you might, maybe you know it and you're lying to me or you don't know it, but I know where I'm going. That's what I love about it. The fucking Gordian knot of it is this whole time you've been telling me that you're touched and I think you're a fucking liar. And then this moment of vulnerability is I'm about to die. I ask you the one question, the one thing that can give me solace, am I going to heaven? And you get the sense that she says paradise to him out of sympathy in that moment, Mm -hmm. right? And he's like, see, I knew it all along. You're a liar. But by saying that, he's admitting that she knows what the fuck she's talking about. But now she's lying about knowing the real shit to make him feel better. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I love think it. he meant I that you're, you're lying that you know. I interpret it the other way, but I think, once again, this movie is wallowing in that ambiguity yeah. and no one fucking knows. What I was wondering about him, too, hiding his, uh, that he has the plague and that, in fact, all the things that she said is coming true. Right. Yeah, like the motivation, I felt like it was personal more than anything else to him that he just was like, I've got to see this through, even though I have a death sentence and I am bringing this upon all of the other people in this village. Mm -hmm. He's like, fuck Benedetta. I'm going to get her. Right. Which is crazy because I think there's also definitely some gender stuff too going on there that she is has so much power and is wielding it on him. Right, he's supposed to be representing or acting on behalf of some higher power, and it's all so petty and personal for him. Well, it, he, she has power, and she's using it in a way that is different from it, from someone like Charlotte Rampling, which is acceptable power. Yes, she's right. not. Yeah, by the book, you're doing the things as our tradition. Right. right. I, I, so here's a question: the uh, the relationship, the romantic relationship, mm-hmm. the sexual relationship. How much of that is sort of like? A, a Pocahontas-esque embellishing or expansion, do we think? Because, I mean, David David read they that. They definitely, you know, they de- well, three I know, times but, a week. But, but like, how it's much do we know people. about her as a do person? We, do we know do if we, she literally <laughs> carved a penis out of a Virgin Mary statue? Do we know no, if do a think... weird, entangled relationship outside of just the physical of it? Like, we know that she 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 fucked around with this woman. But do we know that much about the woman or the nature of their relationship beyond the physical no, act? There, okay. there are not as many records about Bartolomea outside of the testimony okay. in court. Right. And they, I mean, this movie depicts them. They, you know, get this testimony out her, out of her via torture. Yes. Which right. I'm sure is how that went down. The pair of anguish. That which is. Which is a real thing. Brenda. You don't want any of that shit near you. Mm. Uh, um, but, uh, which I'm sure that's how that went down. They were always fucking, you know, compelling yeah, it's a real, it's one of those, False witness. although it, it, they, the pair of anguish, they've like found examples of it 
like they have like literal versions of it. And then I think historians like have made an educated guess as to how it was used. Sure. But there's no actual record. There's no contemporary (laughs) firsthand accounts of how to use this. Right. Right. The the Joan of Arc thing too, where he's like, you know, Joan of Arc, we all agree Joan of Arc, pretty fucking good, right? Pretty good. Pretty good at what she did. Everyone's like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm." yeah, we love her. Right. Right. (laughs) Uh It's like, she just looked at these fucking devices and she gave in. You don't think you're better than Joan of Arc, do you? But it, once it is again, a good bit of reverse psychology. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm yeah. saying. There's this like cyclical logic to it where it's like, we all agree it was fucked up that we tortured Joan of Arc because now with distance, we all agree she was probably in the right. She was probably in the right. Right. So you don't think you're better than Joan of Arc by pretending <laughs> you are being persecuted yeah. unfairly. 100%. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Uh, okay, the sorry, torture sorry. stuff, the violence, like, and that's like a Verhoeven, right? Like, yeah, just he's, his, like, he's got a brutal depiction of violence. Yeah, a lot of CGI blood in this movie, which is interesting to see from him. It has a very different nature to it. I feel like he uses it in a very stylized way, but you can tell as opposed to like Verhoeven previously being a guy who just had fucking gallons and gallons of syrup right. Right. poured everywhere that there's more control in the arcs of these things, you know? It feels more matter of fact like it was kind of in that time. I mean, like life, we just, we, people didn't have the same concept of like this, like the preciousness of life necessarily. No, well, and this is also, this is, this is the thing with Verhoeven. You cannot uh, choose his, his, uh, perspective on the world was was hard-earned through a childhood of desensitization to everything. He served in the military, right? But he, was also, he grew up as a child in Nazi occupation. Yeah. He saw death around him and dead bodies as he yeah. like, skipped to school and all this fucking shit. And he always tells that story about being inspired by the Bosch painting where there's a guy like pissing in the side and he's mm-hmm. like, that's what I want to make as movies. And this movie <laughs> feels like that where anytime they're walking through the town, there's just so much like shit happening. And no one's really clocking any of it. And when the violence happens, it's like shocking and sort of just it's like everydayness in a certain way, even though it's like. I mean, that's how I felt when I saw Flesh and Blood. Yes. Where Mm -hmm. I had not seen a film that took place in that time period that was so like gross and fucked up. Right. He doesn't sugarcoat. And it like it probably was disgusting back then. Absolutely. Flesh and Blood, which I like, despite Mm -hmm. being a wildly unpleasant movie is pretty much like just that. Whereas here, I think he's found a really compelling story that he's connected to where he's able to also put in that sort of like world around it. Um, It's good. It's a good movie. I think it's It's a a very successful film. I'm very happy that he made it. I want to see it a second time very badly. I enjoyed watching it a second time knowing, because I definitely the first time was sort of, especially stuff like her dying or whatever. I was just like, you know, I kept kind of like freezing in my seat being like, what? Like, you know, like right, there like were a lot of moments. Choice. Yeah. It's not like where I was like, I can't believe it. I was just sort of like, well, that's definitely not what I thought was going to happen. I, I appreciated yeah. the humor the second time around. Mm-hmm. There's a really funny part in this movie where uh, when Benedetta it becomes the uh, leader of the convent and uh, she is making her first like official request of Charlotte Rampling, who has now been demoted. Mm-hmm. And uh, a another nun in the convent is dying, and Charlotte Rampling is sitting by her side. But Benedetta's like, um, "It's actually going to be my first vespers today, and I want you to be there for it <laughs> because Jesus told me that you should be there for it." And Charlotte Rampling's like, "Okay, fine." And then Charlotte <laughs> Charlotte Rampling's daughter Christina, as the aforementioned mean girl in the convent, right. was like, "Should I be there too?" 
And Benedetto was like, Jesus didn't mention you. But that's what, it's, <laughs> it's like so, casting so an actor who is more innately modern in that way allows you to sort of like have that commentary without needing to underline it or play right. it deliberately. Same thing. I mean, I feel like this debate was going on of like, is Will Smith too Will Smith to play Richard Williams, right? Like, should it have been a character actor? And I'm like, look, Coleman Domingo could have played that. David Oyelowo could have played that. There are people who could have played that. But part of what you need to make that movie work is anytime this guy is saying the shit that sounds insane, you're like, fuck, but he is the most charismatic man I've ever seen. Well, I think there, well, well I mean, with King Richard, I think another movie that I've seen twice. Um, I think there are ulterior motives for casting someone like Will Smith to play Richard Williams, a guy that was not well-liked or respected. Sure, but I'm saying- So it's like, oh, let's have like a famously likable guy play him to as a bit of like, reputation management. I think even beyond that, just in terms of functionality of the movie, and this is not a King Richard episode, but it's like both are interesting (laughs) examples of how you need to cast like a movie star to make a movie work versus casting an actor who can literalize the part, right? Is just like, if you have a guy, you watch real interviews with Richard Williams and the guy is kind of so unpleasant in so many ways, right? That you're like, if you cast someone to play this literally, You as an audience will never buy that he convinces anyone, that anyone takes him up on the offer. The guy has to be somewhat likable in order to believe that he's able to convince anyone to bet on these kids. And it's the same thing with her where it's like, we as an audience need to be like, I kind of think she might be onto something because she's the person I recognize most in this movie. Her behavior seems the least alien to me, despite the fact that she's like speaking in tongues and bleeding out of her hands and everything. I don't know. Good movie. Good performance. Good movie. It's it's a movie filled with ideas, which is not how I guess it was originally marketed in a very like yeah. salacious way. Again, as we what's spoke what's about what's earlier, film market. I'm sure they were just like, oh, he's gonna make fucking showgirls with nuns. Right. We know how to sell that. <laughs> you know, right. um, yeah. Which which it's, this is the thing. It's like what's funny about this movie is if you go into it expecting that, you'll be like, huh, that's a lot more like sort of disciplined. <laughs> And uh, restrain than I imagine. But then if you go into it off of that description, then you're like, this movie's horny as shit. Right. You know? Right. It's, it's like restrained only by Verhoeven standards in terms of your mind's eye assuming how far it could go. And it certainly doesn't feel like he's doing anything in this movie for shock effect. But I also think that's the weirdness of Verhoeven and why no one is able to replicate him is I don't think he ever consciously is trying to be provocative. I think there's the weird warped area is. to his mind he where he's, I think he's, he thinks a lot of it's funny, but I also think he's just like, I'm the only one willing to say it. You know, I, I think people like who try to make provocative movies, right? it feels more like, okay, come on. I don't think he, I don't think that provocation was at the forefront of his mind with this movie. No. Which I think is interesting. Yeah, especially considering the, the, the danger he was going to find himself in covering anything close to this subject matter. Mm-hmm. That people are just going to be like, fuck you, absolutely not, get out of here, Paul. Well, wasn't that like why he didn't end up making his Jesus movie years ago? Because of what so. happened to Scorsese in The Last Temptation yeah. of Christ. And he's like, 
hey, I mean, I can handle so much, right. but with something I do really care about, <laughs> like my life's work as I, a scholar of Christ, I, also like, I don't want to get involved. This is never going to get a fucking fair shake. There's going to be a controversy that overwhelms whatever I'm trying to do with this movie. Right. People are not going to meet this halfway. Yeah. Nobody makes more movies. What's what's the the one line on the new Meyer movie that just got announced this week? I'll look it up. I, I remember it does. It sounded fairly compelling. Right. And then the thing like six months ago was you said, I'm like developing two movies. I'm developing a script with Newmeyer. And then there's like a Hollywood thriller I'm considering. It's called Young Sinner, the cool. Newmeyer movie. Yeah. And he says, oh, it uh, takes place in D.C. A political thriller set in Washington, D.C. Our heroine, a young staffer who works for a powerful senator, is drawn into a web of intrigue and danger. And of course, there is also a little sex. <laughs> there's also a little sex. Of course. Um, and then he, okay. yeah, that, that's what he said. I don't, okay. I don't know about the other thing. That, this is the one thing I know about, but uh, yeah. I'd love him to make it. Someone give him money. Please. I just, I want to bring him back to America. I think he Me is too. one of our greatest critics of American culture. Right. He needs to make at least one it's good last. good for him to be on the inside. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think he has to make a studio system movie and I'll even count like a Netflix movie or whatever. If that's what it takes. It takes him going to Hulu. I'll, <laughs> I'll suck it down. I just want him taking money from like an American corporation again and going like, thank you very much. I mean, it's just, sneaking it's, away and doing his It's so funny watching like about? the you opening credits of Benedetta <laughs> and seeing like 10 different production companies. Yeah. I mean, he's just taking like I know. 10 cents from like, I know. 20 different people. Right, which is why you're like, the, he just put a nipple poster out there yeah. at the American film market, which, which for people who haven't been is like the basement underneath Khan and it's just the seediest shit in the world. Yeah, I mean like the seediest thing of Khan is like the yacht parties. Well, okay. Then it's the American film market. Correct. The layers of Connor. <laughs> Maybe you should make a movie about the Khan Film Festival. Alright, so... If we're going to, I guess, maybe be done with talking about the movie, there really is only one thing I think that really needs to be addressed, which is that go right ahead. when we first arrive to the village. Uh Yep. Into uh, what's the town called again? Pescia. 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 Pescia town. Yeah. You kind of get a sense of what's going on in the town square. I wish people could see Ben's body language. There is a performance happening. Okay. There is. There's a gentleman with a, he's holding he's like a flaming a, a torch. torch. He's got a right. torch. Mm-hmm. A lit torch. Right. And with him are bone men, basically. Three men dressed as skeletons. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And they're seeming to, Mikey Day, Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> right. They're seeming to kind of come up and, and to attack him, if you will. Uh-huh. Well, what does he do to defend himself? He turns the torch around and he produces a fart. Thereby making the flame bigger, they run away in fear. So this is one of my father's favorite references when I was growing up around the house. There was the man named Lapita Main, which Mel Brooks takes the character name for the mayor he plays in um, uh, Blazing Saddles. Say, say the name again? I believe his character, I, I believe that the man's name was Lapita Main. I might be mispronouncing yeah, that. No, you're right. He was yeah, a, a, a famous professional French flatulist. How do you spell that? Around the start of the 20th century. Is L E then P E T O M A? Right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. So sure. he was like the star flatulist of the beginning of of, of recorded era. You know where you were able to photograph. He and, he like 
uh, you know, recorded it on a gramophone. Yes. Or whatever. Like he was like, <laughs> oh, they're recording sounds now. I got a sound. For it was it. a hit? Fucking a greatest hit hits, man. Right. Etch this shit into a record. Dang. My point here is just I was raised in a, a I feel household. Bad for the guy who recorded that. Because <laughs> you know he's farting. Yeah, he, maybe microphone. that guy was in another booth. I, I hope yeah. so. Why do you think they started uh, building soundproof exactly. booths for recording? It wasn't about the sound leaking out; it was about like the, the smell. They were like, "Oh, the padding is for the um." That's what's the not. Noise. That's what's yeah. not in Get Back. Yes. Like eighty. Actually, I think they do rip some farts in Get Back. Ringo farts. Yeah, Ringo farts. Back. They should have like a wet hot yeah. style fart track on <laughs> Get yeah. Back. Um, my my point here is that I grew up in a household. My father, it was very important. Religion was not important in our household. What was important was that my father made sure that my my siblings and I knew that uh, farting uh, is a profession, that it has been held as a profession and celebrated within the arts. Did you not know before this scene that such a thing as a flatulist existed? I 100% knew. Okay. I feel like I've known that my whole life okay. for some reason. Yeah. You just didn't expect it to show up in this movie. I did not. Yeah. And I was really fucking excited. Yeah. And here's the thing. It made yeah. me think. Like, yeah. how, one like, more thing. Like, <laughs> entertainment. Sure. How have we moved away from that? You're yeah. saying, like, like bring it back. improv classes, fuck, there we're should good. just be a class <laughs> where you're the guy who's like, how to fucking fart, like, yeah. on cue. That yeah. shit is I funny. Mean, everyone's sitting at the UCB training center. Guy comes in with eight torches. He's like, everyone take a torch. <laughs> All right. All right. Now light them up when I tell you. No, like, listen, that's, that is like, almost, I'm almost like, is that ben, where comedy peaked? Ben, of. can I tell wow. you about an entertainer who lived in 12th century England? Please. He went by the name Roland the Farter. <laughs> his, I like his style. Amusingly, yeah. his given name was George, but I guess he thought Roland just really worked with farting. Uh, he was given uh-huh. a manor in Suffolk and 12 acres of land in return for his services as a jester to King Henry II. Etch, every year, he was obligated to perform Unum Saltum at stifilum at unum bumblum, hmm. which means one jump, one whistle, and one fart for the king's <laughs> court at Christmas. This is the thing. These people used to be celebrated. They used to be held up as pillars of our community and of our culture. This guy like the fucking, you know, tax books right. <laughs> or whatever. Dude, fart, fart joke is shorthand for hacky comedy, right? And people are like, look, I'm not going to put fucking fart jokes in my thing. And it's like, these people used to be thought of as artists. Like, I see this shit and I'm like, look what they took from it. Exactly. Mm. Um, uh, in our blank check text thread, mm-hmm. Ben did send us the Wikipedia for Flatulist. Mm-hmm. He did. Um, That's how I found Roland yeah, the Farter. It's, it, apparently, St. Augustine in City of God mentions some performers who did have, quote, such command of their bowels that they can break wind continuously at will. Yeah, it seems so as like to produce the effect of singing. Lapita, Dom Deloise. This is the thing with Lapita Man. It seems like he could almost draw air in and then shoot it well, out. He was the best there ever exactly. was. It's not, he was the Michael Jordan of farting. It's not even fair. Yes. I think Lapita Man had incredible control. Um, <laughs> also noted here, uh, Terrence and Philip are noted yes. on the uh, well, flat Well, of course. <laughs> well, but of course. I, I don't know. I think a biopic is like the move for yeah. a flatulist. See, why do I feel like Lapita Maine? You know? I feel like Lapita someone Maine, was sure. trying to make right. a Lapita Maine movie. Ma- for a while. Michelle, I feel like, like Galvanakis. No, but I something. feel like you this know? is why like... my father would always <laughs> talk about. Wait, sorry, Griffin. I know that you're French, but did yeah. you know that Lapita Maine comes uh, combines uh, the French verb pete to fart with men maniac 
Suffix. This guy's the farting maniac. Fartomaniac I'm just is the literal translation. Like King Henry at his fucking Christmas dinner, and like some vassal is like, "My lord, you are so good." He's like, "Uh huh, uh huh." He's like, "Is is Roland the farter here yet? Like, when is when are we when are we getting that? Is that after dessert or before? I just want to know. I just want to know when I'm getting it. He's looking forward to it. It's a great performance. And like, if he's like. doing one fart a year, is he like? In training for months, like eating all kinds of Is he beans. trying to develop new <laughs> farts? Yeah, right. Like, Wait, there was an, an Italian film in 1983 called Il Petomani, starring Ugo Tonazzi. All right, well, I'll report back on that. Yeah, yeah you, you check should that watch out. that. Really? We should play the box office game. Yeah, we should play the box office game. Thank you for um, uh, uh, allowing me to... Uh, to just go off on that tangent. Of course. That was he also, I'm sorry, he also apparently appears as a character in Moulin Rouge. I forgot about that. Oh. Lapita Maine? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, you know, it's all yeah. going okay. off then, right? There, there is a modern day flatulist. Mr. Methane. Mr. Methane. Birth name Paul Oldfield. Mm. He started performing Nighttown D1, briefly retired in 2006, restarted mid-2007. He claims to be the only performing farter in the world today. He worked on the railways. Before focusing on his flatulence performances. Oh, okay. He wasn't farting on the railways. He was doing oh, railway, oh, railway right. work. Uh, this website. <laughs> oh, is it not good? Oh, oh boy. Does it have sort of angel fire vibes? Absolutely. Or, right. Huge angel so, fire um, Oh, this guy's kind of got like a Riddler look. He has an album. He auditioned for British. Okay. Britain's Got Talent. Should I buy a fart in a jar right now? Uh, you can buy a fart in a Maybe. jar. He has a DVD uh, called Mr. Your oh Peril. Mr. Methane, let's rip. Let's also say... He's, he's dressed like a superhero. Yeah. In 2004... See, I, Man has class. Like, he's wearing... He's finest. wearing a tuxedo. Yes, and he's holding the one finger up. Like, he looks like a fucking conductor. Yeah. Uh, he will also make a short video of your ceremonial guffawing ritual... Guffing ritual is I fill your jar with pure Mr. Methane ass gas. I see. I don't like how goofy this guy is. You, yeah. you, you think he should be he should be coming in in like a cape, uh, but like a black cape, classy, like a, like a tuxedo, classy. In July 2014, saw Mr. Methane release a fart app for Android devices. The app had originally been developed in 2010 for the iPhone, but was rejected by Apple. Yeah. See, I, this guy is. is <sighs> Like, I, I don't mean to be rude about the Brits, but like. Is this like the sort of like weird panto shit that you guys all like? Yeah. I don't. It doesn't translate over yeah, here. It doesn't. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. Box Cut office. the video. Cut the, get, get Mr. Methane out of here. He's bumming me out. <laughs> I can't. Ben's into it. Wait, Ben's one over. Hold on. Wait. <laughs> he has a all right fuck. a shit eating grin on his face right Just now. He's more. red. He's his face is red. Let's also mention he's <laughs> he's so happy. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, this box office game is interesting. I truly have no idea what's number one. We're essentially talking about last weekend. At yeah. The box right. office, December third, twenty twenty one. And as we're saying, this a light weekend because it's sort of a post Thanksgiving weekend. Right. I think it's a specialty box office has struggled. Uh, IFC's plans for Bendetta have, have shifted back and forth many times over the last couple of months. I think they end up putting this on more screens than they two hundred and one screens, and they're also holding it there for a little longer than originally intended. So this might end up making a little bit of. Uh, there were only like three people at my screening. I will say I had a decent crowd last night at a 6 p.m. Times Square uh, Thursday night. How yeah, many teens so were there to make out? None. No making out no. teens? Respect I didn't compelled. see any at the very least. It felt like a very respectful art house crowd. 
How many wow. nuns would you say there were? Four, five. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Uh, how many little brown packages wrapped in string? That's a sound of music reference. Okay. okay. Number one <laughs> at the box office. What do you think it's called again? The bobbins? Yeah, the bobbins. bobbins. That's a weird scene. Yeah. Where Benedetta's kind of really nasty. To see, that's, but that's also like, I was watching it, I was like, this is everything I expected out of a Verhoeven lesbian nunsploitation movie where that feels like a weird like early showgirls well, negging scene right that, that plus uh when christina is forced to whip herself yeah yeah man. and then benedetta and bartolome are both like turned on by it afterwards yeah i was like ooh, um, that, that's pretty very hoping <laughs> yeah yeah those bobbins mm. just let him boil who cares Fuck. get a slotted spoon i don't know yeah um <laughs> you know yeah no <laughs> Number one at the box office, okay. Griffin, is an animated film. Number Ooh, one at the box office. I know what office. it is. I know what it is. It's uh, Encanto. 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 I haven't seen it. Has, ha- has anyone? I hear, yeah, it's out yeah. in the world. No, but have you seen it, Griffin? I have seen it. Okay. I, Jesus. I'm going to. You don't have to be Ooh. so fucking uh, like uh, dodgy about it. No, here's my thing. I think I saw it maybe the day it came out. Um, I've, I've been, uh, working on a voiceover job that I still cannot talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had like a very long, intensive voiceover session for this thing, mm-hmm. uh, and have not been sleeping well and was just mainlining caffeine to keep my energy up to do the fucking silly cartoon voices. Right. For like hours on end. So like drank a bunch and then kept on being like, can I get more caffeinated tea, more caffeinated tea? So then I get out of this like session and it's like 6, 7 p.m. And I was like, I have like too much energy in my body and I don't know how to come down. Right. Let me like have myself a little dinner, glass of wine, whatever. And I was like, I still feel too amped up. So I was like trying to get home with like all this adrenaline rushing through my body. And I'm going to fucking tell this story. And I'm like in Times Square getting ready to like get on a train to go home. And suddenly I need to shit worse than I ever have in my entire life. Been there. Right. And I'm like, like I, I maybe have two minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just like up against the clock and I was like, Starbucks, this, there, where's their fucking public restroom that I can physically get to in time? And I like looked and I was like, my only solution is I have to, I have to buy a ticket to go see a movie. I've done it. So you saw in Canto because you had to shit. Right. So I like go upstairs and have the worst shit of my life. And then like I the just, AMC 42nd Street or 14th Street, 14th Square. Oh, sh- sh- right. I just had this like wow. destructive shit. I'm like, what starts in 30 minutes? Right. That right. was the first thing. I was like, I don't really feel like seeing this right now. I've just spent we'll the day doing cartoon voices after this. Right. right but it's yeah. like, I pay fucking $18. I'm like tapping the button. I'm holding my butt. I'm like running upstairs. I get there. Horrible shit. Clean up the damage. And then I'm just sitting there and I'm like, now I gotta watch Encanto. You don't gotta. I mean, I felt like it, I would I feel sillier if I didn't watch it. Okay, but so it's like that just happened, and I'm like crashing from caffeine. Uh-huh. And the movie started, and I was like, I can't handle this. This is stressing me out. The movie's like very loud and very bright and sure. like very energetic. How dare it? A children's film <laughs> from Disney I, about I life it, in uh, Colombia or whatever. Right, which I don't hold this against it, but it's like more manic than most recent Disney. Uh-huh. It's, uh-huh. it's Lin-Manuel, right? He yeah. wrote the music. Byron Howard, the uh, Zootopia, mm. one of the Zootopia directors is, yeah. is the director. I like Zootopia. It's, it's an odd film and I was watching it and I was like I think this doesn't work at all and then I read some reviews by friends of ours people who really like Bilga's well, Bilga is particular. a huge fan of it right and I was like reading and I was I like, the it. movie they're just describing sounds interesting to me I maybe need to give this another shake 
The thing he pointed out about it, which I agree with, and I'm only going into this because someone on our Reddit thread was like, does Griffin hate this movie because I yeah. haven't had to talk about yeah. it yet? Um, I just, I feel like I, I don't really have a fair opinion of it yet. Mm. The thing I found really fascinating about it, and Bilga called this out, but almost as a, um, a, a positive quality of it, I don't know yet, is it like really feels like a stage-bound musical. Hmm. The show, hmm. the show, I call it a fucking show, the movie almost never leaves the fucking house. Like, the whole thing takes place in the house. They never maybe go, like, two it's blocks interesting. outside of the house. Are they ghosts? No. And it's like, there's so many characters in a way that, like, in movies you're not used to, but in a Broadway show, you're like, here's the ensemble, and we name this person once, and they have a costume, and you never really need to develop them. And the whole thing kind of takes place in proscenium. The songs are pretty much sung straight to camera. Every character has a solo number that we're like, here I am, and here's my deal, and then they, like, disappear. You know, or they just go back into the ensemble. And it feels like it has like an act one that's just like world building and the stuff in the house feels like it would be like incredible stagecraft. Mm -hmm. And then act two where you're like, oh, this is what it's about. But the whole first act, it's just kind of, I, I don't know. It's, it's very odd. It's narratively odd. Bilga made the argument that everything I think is odd about it is actually pretty interesting and daring, which I'm willing to accept. But watching it, it did not go down easily for me. It's a movie in which I, I say currently, no opinion, non-applicable, non-complete. N.A. Yeah. Okay. TBD. Haven't seen Encanto. Ben, you saw it? No. Okay. Feels fine. like Disney Marie? dumped it. No. It's doing okay, but it's also going on Disney Plus in 30 days. It'll well, be on by is, Christmas. They, they decided not to Disney Plus it in, in for like their sort of weird, mysterious approach to 2021 right. where they're like, this one is, and this one isn't, this one right. is, and this one is Everything's isn't. a trial balloon. They put it out at Thanksgiving, which is normal, but then they didn't really give it a a lot no. of juice. I just, no. I just felt like they, because like they, I got invited to like one screening. Which yeah. I don't know. They were just not it really. Doesn't, it doesn't. Right. Are they marketing up, it to children? I don't, I don't think so. Because I mean, sometimes like, I feel like child. I don't see any marketing for something. Yeah. But then I'm like, done, oh, I'm not the target it audience. It's done fine. I yeah. mean, it's made a fair amount of money. Honestly, it's made $60 million. What What do you think? So we brought up Disney Plus. I'll make this quick. I just, I take back what I said about the Beatles. Whoa! You watched it. It's pretty damn good. They're They're pretty pretty my movie. favorite cool. movie of 2021, wow. even though David you says mean. it's not a movie. No, it's a TV show or whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. Rules. Still rules. It kind of, I got really into it. Yeah, man. Yeah. They're pretty incredible. They're very band. Ben energy, honestly. They're a bunch of who's, crunchy who's chillers. Your, who's your guy? Oh, come on. I can't. That's tough. I don't know. You got to have gone one. from fuck the Beatles to how could I pick I a favorite? I love them all. <laughs> fuck. That's what your parents I feel like I feel to. like Ringo would be your favorite. I, I do say. think Ben has a bit of a Ringo. Uh, but I energy, also think but... that as a producer, Paul is the producer character. <laughs> but I also think in temper, like I think Ringo is the one that Ben would find the most amusing. But I'm like George would probably be the one he liked the most as a guy. I, th- I, I think, think so. Kind of yeah. has John's sense of humor sometimes. I don't know. Is man. it like Sex in the City where like everyone has a bit yeah. of Samantha right, Carey? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I think it is. And it's like four you know? voices inside your head. Yeah. Um, also, Carrie Bradshaw has a podcast. Yes, she did. Yeah, she she Everybody's getting into Everyone's it. Everyone's getting into it. Um, I like Encanto more than I liked Raya, which I think I did not like, and I need to give Encanto a second strike. I will say it is interesting to me, having done uh, uh, Musker and Clements earlier this year, who now are apparently out of retirement, ready to make a very, very different animated movie that's very exciting to me. Uh, there should be more fucking, like, superhero adaptations in different mediums and different sure. styles rather than these fucking canonical interconnected universe shit. But I was going to say, it is interesting to me, and Cantal was the time where I'm like, 
man, for how much this new era of CGI Disney princess musicals was like, we're fucking modernizing these things. We're doing away with tradition. They have really boiled it down to a formula now where mm-hmm. the structure of these movies are like, the opening scene is always the main character is a little girl and an elderly relative tells them the family history, uh, explains the entire thing, bored. and then it ages up and they're sort of like, ah, I love everything, en- but maybe it's a show because maybe I'm actually frustrated about the life I want to live. Then they enter a convent, they start having visions of Jesus. And they like they none of them have <laughs> love interests anymore and they all have weird villains who like aren't really villains. Right, and the sort twist of is who the villain is, right? right. But, then, but then ultimately it's like they weren't bad, they were just sort of misinformed and they understand... I, I, that all kind of got to me a little bit, which it's like, it just feels like we're it's maybe designed at, to get to like, There's nothing wrong with that. 1999 yeah. in the Disney renaissance of the 90s where it's like, okay, fuck it, we get it. Come on. Gotcha. Time to revitalize this. How, how would you rank the Disney animated releases of this year? What's the other one? There's Luca. three, aren't there? Luca. I love Luca. I love Luca. I love Luca. I've watched Luca twice now and it really grew for me the second time. They I sent also, me a Luca Blue. Luca. Oh, I got a Luca steelbook, my friend. Hmm. Um, I think that movie is uh, wonderful and I like how modest it is. I yeah. like the ambition to be like, we don't have to fucking make some profound existential, it's going to destroy you emotionally thing. It it does feel like a, a Studio Ghibli movie yeah. in that way where it's just like, what's just a small story, a story well told? Yeah. Uh, Luca rolls. Okay. Number two at the box office is... Go on. It's not House of Gucci, is it? No, House of Gucci is number three. It dropped. It Although did. it is far and away the highest grossing drama of 2021. Yeah, it's making, you know, some money. Um, After one weekend, it had outgrossed all other dramas released this year. Look, it's been a weird year. Yep. Going to be honest with you. Um, um, number two House is- of Gucci is number three, but number two is... New release? Or we saw it whole? together. We saw it together. It's not a new release. The only new release is number four. Uh, what's, what's the thing that we saw together recent... Lee, um, give me genre, please. Uh, it's a sequel, action, sci-fi, children's adventure. <laughs> you know all that shit. Uh, it sounds like uh, every. Uh, what did we movie. see together? This is why I'm. Forgetting. I was saw- grumpy. Oh, oh, oh! How telling is it that I've already blocked this from my memory? Mm-hmm. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ghostbusters oh, Afterlife. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife. I forgot that was a movie. I know. I was it's so made angry about it for two weeks, and now I've just forced it into a memory hole. Ghostbusters Afterlife. We, look, we were debating we before the movie. I was like, I think this thing is going to be a depressingly big hit. And you were like, I don't. I think it's going to land limp. And then after the movie, I was like, you might be right. It might crawl to 100. It's, it's a hit by whatever current standards of box office success we have, which are obviously graded on a curve, the thing is working. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. It's working by 2021 standards. It's done well, making $100 million. By other standards, it's done pretty badly, I guess. But I think they're happy. I it, think everyone's happy. It cost half as much as Ghostbusters 2016 and yeah, will yeah. probably end up at the exact same numbers. Number five, four, number four, three is Gucci. Number four. Is Gucci's eight, up to 30. 36 at this point, I think. Um, number four is... In this broken year. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Um, A faith film. Oh, oh, it has a, a sort of surprise title, right? It does. It's called... Is like, it the Kurt the, Warner movie? No, it's not. No. The, it, this is called like... The, There's another one? The it's, blank colon blank for blank or something? It's not that crazy, but it, it's people basically seeing Christmas films from the set of a movie uh, called The Chosen. 
Isn't there a subtitle to it? There is. So the film is called The Chosen. Uh, I guess that's like a faith movie. Or no, wait. I don't fucking know. Look, the movie's called Christmas with the Chosen, colon, The Messengers. Christmas with the Chosen, colon, The Messengers? Thank you. And David said the title's not that crazy. Well, yeah. Well, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I don't understand how those words relate to each other. I don't either. Artists perform Uh, new and classic Christmas songs. From the set of something called The Chosen. So it's a concert film on the set of... A Christian movie? Right. Which I don't think that... The Chosen's a TV show? I don't know. There's 17 episodes of The Chosen, which seems like it ended three years ago? I don't know what the fuck is going on, but it was the number four movie Christmas with The Chosen. Uh, Christmas with The Chosen. Okay, The Chosen was a TV show about Jesus. It was the first multi-season series about the life of Jesus and of course is this the thing that Roma Downey and the dude who the other her the producer that she's married to who did Survivor did no look at me what's his name he's like um, an Australian guy it's Mark Burnett Mark Burnett yeah is it the Mark Burnett thing no this is a guy named Dallas Jenkins who sounds like a fake name funded this he was the most successful media crowdfund of all time he's some bootstrappy his father wrote the Left Behind books. Oh, okay. And then a lot of he started a, a Christian production company. They've been making films. They've had a good number of films. They did a movie called Resurrection of Gavin Stone, which was WWE's faith-based film. So he's had a couple of these faith-based movies that broke out a little bit. Then he self-produced through GoFundMe or whatever a two-season Jesus TV show, the second season of which came out this year and then this is a special shot on those sets with people singing the songs yeah it's uh, made 10 million dollars that's insane and the chosen 11, the tv sorry. show of course is streaming on vid angel <coughs> which is an american streaming video company that allows the user to skip what may be considered distasteful content that sounds great isn't it kind of insane that like some of the best art that's ever existed in the world is like catholic art mm-hmm. but like there's never been any good christian art it's an interesting question. An interesting I question. think there's been good Christian art, but there are, there's what? a lot of bad what? Christian art. Like I American know. evangelical Christian art. I know what you're talking about. That's There has been be no good bad. Christian right. art. Yes. Vin Angel is one of these companies that got sued by all the major studios where they're like, you're recutting our movies. Right. Um, you can't actually just cut out all the swears and put it on right. your platform. So right. now it seems like they've shifted to making their own content. That's how it always goes, baby. Everyone making content now. They had to pay $10 million in damages to different studios for editing their things. A big part of their uh, original content is they did uh, 52 comedy specials Mm -hmm. as part of a lineup called Dry Bar Comedy. Yeah, I I actually wrote those. (laughs) Um, Number five at the box office, I'm moving us off of this bullshit, is a Marvel film. Uh, It is uh, Eternals. It's Eternals, which is made quietly Four hundred million dollars worldwide, even yeah. though everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Disaster. It's kind of a wet fart, right? If a movie, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, David I don't and know I what liked to tell it. you. Oh, you did. Yeah, David and I like it. We think I also like wrong. movies about weird set robots who don't know what to do with them. Neither of you have seen it, right? <laughs> no, I don't. I Marie don't doesn't care. really go into I know. that kind yeah. of stuff. Look, I was, I was so ready to be uh, indifferent, and. I think that movie's really interesting. I think it's a mess. The thing I equated it, I mean, 
we were texting about afterwards and I was like, I think it's a shittier version of the old guard. I think the old guard accomplishes sure. everything I find interesting about that movie by and large in a I, far I generally more agree with that too. way. Yeah. Except for the one big thing the movie does that I think could only be done like 25 films into a Marvel Cinematic Universe that I think is pretty interesting. The thing I equate to for you was like Tomorrowland, where I'm like, this movie is objectively a fucking mess. But it has ideas that I think are so bizarre and the confidence in which it thinks it's going to get a mainstream audience to accept these ideas is hard for me not to be a little one over. I just think it's so cool. Some dude I was on a set with recently was like, trying to explain how the movie was like one big abortion metaphor. Mm. And sure I'm like, sure that's I'm like, not true. I yeah. don't, I'm not, I don't. Not picking up that vibe. I just think it's hilarious that Marvel released a film this year that was sort of like, you know, a lesser known property. So kind of, that's kind of exciting. Like it's not, you know, Thor mm-hmm. 4, right? Right. It's from the holder of the current, a best picture, yes. best director yes. trophies. And Marvel's like, check it out. And everyone was like, Oh, lame! Like through fruit. Not like that. Not only is it, it, it's not the grand arbiter of our culture, but it is. This is the set I find astounding. The first rotten Marvel movie in terms of Rotten Tomatoes ever. And you think about how many fucking wet fart movies they've released, and all of them just got like, eh, I don't know, this one isn't great. Eighty percent fresh. And this is the first one where people are like, "Fuck this." Well, it's because they set our expectations higher. Sure. Yes, that yes. was part of it. I think that's part of, part of it. I think yeah. people got their knives out for because they were like, how dare you try to well, actually what are they make something supposed legitimate? To be like, yeah, Chloe Zhao made a movie for us. Check it out. You know, they, of course they're going to lay think, on the mustard. I think so many of the critics who style themselves as Marvel haters, you actually look at their Marvel reviews and they give most of those films like, I don't know, seven out of ten. Right. I and mean, then this one, it's like, for all of its failings, it is trying to actually respond to criticisms in some way and go like, you're right. Maybe we need to fucking loosen up yeah. this Marvel shit and try other stuff. And people were like, how fucking dare you? I'll watch it when it's on Disney+. Plus. When we finish recording, I'm going to tell you the thing I think is interesting about okay. this movie that I don't want to ruin for people. But I, I think, David, you and I had both been like, we never need to do Marvel commentaries ever again. And then watching this, we were like, maybe we need to do this phase when it's done. Because I'm very interested to see how they react to the negative response to this movie. Well, yes. I think going forward, it will be... What phase are we going into? Four, I believe we're currently. I mean, I in. don't. I, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I think I I've seen fewer than ten Marvel movies. Period. Hey, this is really it's not still my a lot thing. of movies when I you know. think. About I know, it. right? Yeah. Which is it speaks to yeah. some of the other films in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Number six, Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City, a film that I want to see, but I'm just kind of like, and like I'm a film critic, right? And I'm kind of like, I can wait for that to that, be on and fucking that's, whatever. That's a failing. That's a failing if they can't get you excited enough. It's because all the reviews I read were like, it's very faithful to the video games. It's a little lifeless, but it's like pretty entertaining. And I'm Are like... Jo- Jovovich and Anderson No, no, no. Involved? It's like a total reboot. Oh, then, yeah. And I mean, so I'm just kind of like, eh. You know what's but interesting? But I'll watch The it. thing it reminds me of is the fucking David Harbour Hellboy movie where it's like, we gave some weird stylist the chance to adapt this thing and they sort of turned it half into their own thing, half into the original thing. And now we're rebooting it and we're making it just the way the source material was. And in theory, that should be like catnip. And everyone's like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Um, we're just yeah. making the literal video game movie. People are like, I mean, I'll watch it. I like the video games, but yeah. I'm just not, not rubbing my engine. Number seven, Cliffy the Big Red Dog. A movie I saw that is quietly insane. <laughs> sure. Well, well, know. yeah, the dog is huge and he's red. Well, well, Becker there, are so many things. there are so many classic Beckerisms in this movie because. Like, Alvin 4, uh, The Road Trip, 
I went to see hoping there'd be a little bit of that old dog's chaos. And it's like, it's not really there outside of the John Waters cameo. This has the thing where every scene, five things are said that make zero sense and are overexplained. And the way the logic stacks on top of each other is demented. It's no old dogs, but it, it fits into the oeuvre. Uh, eight is uh, Dune, just sort of quietly still making money, even though you can literally buy it on the internet now. Uh, nine is King Richard, quietly not making yeah, money. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I get why because of the whole HBO Max Look, thing, but that's a, that is a crowd pleaser. The yeah. HBO Max thing is crippling. Yeah. Obviously. That's yeah. the worst decision Warner Brothers ever made. But although they might be like, what do you mean, HBO Max? Um, but uh, it is a little long. It's a, it's yeah, a it smidge is. long. It's like it's two like and a half hours, right? almost. Or like, yeah. That thing could benefit from, you know, just a just little bit of compression. The bonus act where it sort of becomes... I, and I like the bonus right, act. Yeah. So I'm not like completely... But I do wonder, you know, it just... I don't know. It's just a little flat. Maybe, maybe um, then, but whatever. Yeah. Two hours, twenty four minutes. I know. It's pretty though. Long. It's good. It's very fucking watchable. I mean, it's Marie so watched it twice. I'm sure I watched it, it twice. Yeah, watched it first alone. Second uh, time with my dad. And then, my dad told me, yeah, that he tried to King Richard me as an opera singer as a child, and he failed. That's fine. He tried to baby Annette you more. Yeah, like. you, yeah I mean, <laughs> Marie's baby Annette costume was out of control. It was so fucking. Thank good. you, Griffin. Um, it was with and the then, drones flying around. Uh, number yeah. ten of the box office. I just want to ask you: the second most successful film of the year. The second most successful film of the year is it be, Venom Two? No, Time to Die or Venom Two? Venom Two. Okay, I think worldwide, No Time to Die. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, domestically, it's Venom Two. Right, worldwide, it's No Time to Die. Domestically, it's Shang Chi. Right, right, and then yeah. Uh, Venom 2, huge, huge, uh, people uh, big were team like, hit. Venom's back. Yeah. I'll, I'll, one ticket, please. Must see. Yep, like, I went. must fucking see. I went. I hung out we with my, my good friend. Uh-huh. And how would it go? It was great. And yep. I look forward to seeing him again soon. You will. I, think- I know. <laughs> did, you, did you guys see that article that was kind of going around about how uh, sound mixing in movies has gotten more muddled? I did. And one of the reasons they gave was literally Tom Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah, that rules. <laughs> that uh, he constantly makes decisions to mumble his words and everyone everyone loves it. Can I just say a thing about King Richard? Yeah. Did you mumble it though? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anything about King Richard. Can I say something to you about King Richard? Yeah. That's my burnt ball. This house is not well built. Uh, yeah, I don't know. King Richard. Best supporting actor, John Bernthal <laughs> and King Richard. Uh, he's so fucking he's good. He's so good. Um, I feel like Warner Brothers is not even pretending that that movie has done well on HBO Max. Like, they're kind of admitting, like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it yeah. definitely didn't live up to expectations. They're bad at the Netflix thing of, like, yeah. you know, they, they tried it at first, but now they're just kind of like, it was also on HBO Max. Now, this is what I found interesting as a comparison point. After the first week or weekend, whatever it was, a Power of the Dog, Netflix was like, huh, this was watched by one million people. Right. Which I believe made as it. a number because it's not 70 million in 24 hours. Right. Whenever they lie about numbers, right. it's always in the same sphere. And it felt like they were genuinely just kind of like, huh, this did better than we thought it would. And King Richard did worse than you thought it would. Has, has HBO Max ever released viewing they, stats? They did it a couple times. Not maybe, but times. like they've done a couple sort of like most watched thing ever on HBO Max for some I of feel these. like Mortal Kombat, they released numbers and Mortal Kombat have. was the one where they were like, this was watched by many more people at home than in theaters. Mm-hmm. Like it was disproportionate. It was and that movie this, I'm seeing this, here. Yeah, probably logged about a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing, I'm seeing, to I'm seeing a radiating hot zone in Northern Brooklyn. What's going on here? 
but I feel like a lot of them, the they're servers like, are overloaded yeah. there. They're like, Dune did well in theaters, also did well at home. Like, they've mostly been proportionate, right? And when people, like, when in the Heights bombed and they were like, well, it's just because everyone stayed home to watch it, they were like, no, they're pretty much even. Like, it's right. like high just, tide races. It underperformed everywhere. Both ships. Right. I do think there's this thing, and it's different with Netflix because people just fucking have Netflix as their homepage or their default app on their TV, and they check it, and they see what the new thing is, and they sample it or whatever. That, like, the destructive element of King Richard in particular being on HBO Max as opposed to maybe A Many Saints of Newark, which people are into because it's a TV it's show that they're already watching on that app or a Dune or a Space Jam where it's like, I don't know, whatever, I'll fucking give this a shot, right? Is that like, I think people didn't go to see it in theaters mm. and simultaneously were like, oh, right, it's on HBO Max. I'll watch that at some point. Right? Like, it's, not a, it's not a Friday night fire it up kind it of thing, not like, like Dune or whatever. No need to see excitement versus Power of the Dog where I'm just like, that movie feels a lot less successful. That movie's getting like memed, you know? Well, like, yeah, which I thing. don't understand. Bronco I mean, Henry. I understand. Bronco Henry. I mean, Bro Bronco Henry is one of the greatest character names it's in history. It's the same fucking thing that happened with uh, Marriage Story, where I was just like, yeah. I, I remember going to my Even comic Irishman, book store. Even Irishman, you know, solidarity! Well, yes. yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember going to my comic book store, my local comic book store, when Irishman came out, and all the employees, like, uh, not Irishman, Marriage Story, all the employees were talking about Marriage Story. And they were like, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't usually, like, watch I'm movies I'm with Scott like Joe. This. I don't know. What about you? Who are you no, siding with? they were, with? like, sort of saying, you know, like, you know it's what? pretty good. I don't usually watch movies like this, but, like, it's on Netflix, and it's fucking Kylo Ren and Black Widow. You know so what I, I think helps for Netflix? The autoplay. Yes, course well that's their that's, that's their the bread thing. and butter baby because whereas hbo max's autoplay is like i'm getting something for you that like falls over right. yeah no i mean because, right, but i'm like you have like a fucking marvel actor in a netflix movie yeah you wanted sex in the city in portuguese right i got that for so here's the thing with king yeah. richard the poster it's very hard to tell what it is when you're looking yes. at your TV screen it because is. it's a very small image. Right. Him in the him And it's him and the kids. The so it's not, it's not Will Smith face no. forward. But, I know but you don't Netflix, even know it's about Netflix Venus and Serena. Netflix has those changing posters yeah. where it's like, David wants the Power of the Dog poster that's just Plemons' face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that big sausage. You, they're selling you like, it's Doctor Strange and Mary Jane in a Western and this is taken seriously. Yeah. Right? Like that's all they're saying to you is like, this is a serious movie. And people fucking sampled it. Yeah. And and I, you know, I love that movie, but that was a movie where I'm just like, people who watch that on Netflix and are not in the tank for campaign are going to be dumbfounded by it. And it seems to be kind of working. Good movie. I like the two biggest fuck-ups by HBO. I mean, well, mm -hmm. of things they passed on Netflix mm -hmm. and Vinyl. Mad Men. Oh, I sorry. Did, did. <laughs> Netflix and Mad Men. Yeah. Vinyl? And yeah. HBO's like, mm, nope, feeling good about that one. <laughs> They're like, no, I think we're happy we pass on that. It's like, I, I, I regret to inform Griff, you. We are close to a moment where HBO is like, do we bring back vinyl? Like that happens in a meeting yeah. where they're like, okay, because they just announced like they're rumored to be bringing back Six Feet Under, which right. had one of the most definitive endings yeah. in television yeah. ever. Everybody's death right. was How do they retcon that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And clearly, I mean, they were like, you know what I love is six feet. Come on, we can figure out a way to get that back. We I mean, brought back Dexter. Look, let's do the math on this, okay? Vinyl legacy, right? Or vinyl colon vinyl afterlife. Vinyl colon RPM. Yeah. Or, right. or the CD years. Yeah, vinyl right. laser. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. Vinyl, vinyl tube plastic. Um, <laughs> yep. Kenavali's not coming back. No. Olivia Wilde's not coming back. 
No, she's busy. She Jim Temple's not coming. So you're saying that they have to shape the story around you. I think I become number four. Yeah, you think cast. it's just sort of like uh, you're like you were secretary of transportation, right. but now you're the vice president. I think if they Romano is on the edge, I think Max Casella is up back. to maybe number two. Casella is basic. Absolutely. His agent is like already buying a right. Porsche. Right. All right. Yeah. And then let's say they bring in a new character, Adrian Brody. I mean, yeah. Who fits within the universe. Yeah. Yep. Maybe this is the thing is, is Roman comes in and he's like, um, I got a new pitch. Uh, we buy American Century Records. And Logan's like, American Century. It's a dead record company and from the 70s. Like, hmm. And then I come in as the old man version of my character who had three lines so across 10 episodes. So you're saying the vinyl revival is a backdoor pilot <laughs> yes. in succession. Yes. <laughs> and Brian Cox is yeah. reading this being like, yeah. the fuck is this shit? Do we have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Listen to music, you pig fuck. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Sounds good. I'm yeah. into it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Know. Bring it back. Why I'm not? just saying that or HBO, can... like 2024, they're like, vinyl and tell me you love me are coming back. Yeah. Tell me and you the, love me, dot, 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 and that more. Sh- that show about the kids selling jeans, that's back. Uh, what show is How that? to make it in America. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that, that was uh, what that what, was. What I'm John from Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. that would, that's that the ultimate. Back. That would be number one. Carnival reunion movie. Yeah, Carnival is back. We're going to explain it this time. We promise. Please. <laughs> 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 Episodes, I swear to God, we're gonna explain. And then three seasons in, they're like, "Look, I was fucking lying. We ran out of time. I don't have to tell you. We were about to get to yeah. it when you cut us off. Oz is coming back, right? That's gotta happen. Yeah, maybe an Oz prequel. I yeah. don't know. It is funny that just shows uh, never ever stay dead now unless I was on them. You're right. Then it's round. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they do an animated revival. A vinyl? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I hope so. And a, and a vinyl. I don't know. And a vinyl. Yeah. And a, and a vinyl Aniacs. Right, I, I can see think. the Animaniacs running a record label. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There you go. You're more of a wacko. Mm, yes. <laughs> I'm a yakko. Because well, you're tall. Yeah, I'm just more of a yakko. Well, the wacko is the one with the, with the, with the Liverpool accent. He is. That's true. When yeah. I watched that as a kid, I was like, so one of the Beatles plays him. And I was like, my parents were like, no. And I was like, but then why does he talk like That's that? Like, only the Beatles may speak right, this way. Right. I truly thought like they have the rights to this. And That's also not Ringo narrated Shining Time Station. You were like, maybe, you know. There, my, my friend, he was a two inch tall conductor. He appeared on At screen least on camera. Right initially. Do you know what would be cool? So for the Oscars in 2022, mm-hmm. before we got on mic, we were talking about the Oscars mm-hmm. and Gr- Griffin and David really want them to take place at a train station again. Yeah, Choo choo. Let's let's bring <laughs> in Ringo. Let's bring in Ringo. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's bring like, in Thomas. <laughs> yeah, he's hosting. <laughs> Little Mr. Conductor is hosting. I right. think that would be great. But Thomas brings in the trophies. Yes, every time they're on, they're perched on him. And let's they, not let's not make it Thomas every time. Mate. Percy does one James. or two. Right, <laughs> Edward. <laughs> it's like Miss Golden Globe. George. You just have a new one. Do they bring How Dini many Khan? of these fuckers can I remember? Toby. I don't know. Dave, are you up. telling me that you love Thomas the Tank? That is that is the origin story of, of my train obsession. Of course. My sister, when I was a little the, kid, You have a train me. thing? You don't know that about me? No. Yeah, I was a huge subway nerd. when I, I still am, but when I was a little kid, I was a huge subway nerd. And I made my parents like, in like 1990, I'd be like, they'd be like, what do you want to do this weekend, Dave? You want to go to the Children's Museum? You want to go to the Central Park? You know, you want to go experience the magic of New York City? And I was like, I want to fucking take the J train. Where does that shit go? I'm trying to catch us. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, okay, should fine. I, should we'll I take them on the J train. Should I call you the conductor now or the rail man? 
Uh, you can call me whatever you want. I'm also the spread master after yeah. last night's episode. You'll see. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> You'll see. Uh, uh, so, final episodes of the year are... West Side Story next week. West Side week. Story, mm-hmm. and we're taking a break. And then we're going to be dark on Christmas, and then we'll be back the start of January with The Matrix Resurrections. Yes. That's what's happening. Yeah. Wow. Which you haven't seen. I haven't seen. Emma and, Stefanski, friend of the show, just saw it and told me it was great. I don't know. Do you feel like the way I felt before Toy Story yes. 4 came out? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like like where I'm like, it feels wrong that people are seeing it. I'm like, I'm a grown up. I can handle it. But I'm also like, what the fuck? And also just like, this is finished and you're not showing it to Well, me. that's the thing where I'm like, come on, Warner Brothers. And they're like, huh? What? Right. You like, oh, okay. I don't care that you like the sequels. Who can, right. No one cares. The about idea that. that's on a hard drive feels like unfair. Did you guys see that picture of Keanu driving like his Ferrari with a Christmas tree on I top it's of it? A Porsche. Porsche. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just great, great Keanu photo. Santa Claus. Santa, yeah. Santa Neo. Can I end this episode by sharing a very quick Keanu story I sure. heard? That's just okay. an incredible so what a guy story. Well, the only kind of Keanu story there is. Uh, Keanu, uh, I, I, I know someone who was friends with Keanu. Okay. Humble brag. Uh, yes. Uh, Keanu was in New York City, uh, part of the group going out to restaurants, right? Um, they go to like four restaurants trying to get a table and get turned away. Just walking to establishments, mm-hmm. Keanu's not the proactive one. He's standing in the group. Someone goes, hey, do you have a table for six? No, sorry. No, sorry. They go to like four restaurants. And then the fifth restaurant they go to, uh, they go, excuse me, do you have a table for five? No, sorry. Who's there sitting at the bar of the restaurant? Parker Posey. She turns around. Keanu, oh my God, so nice to see you. And then the matriarch is like, oh, oh, excuse me. We did, we did in fact find the table. Keanu Reeves is so unassuming in life. Mm-hmm. So unwilling. And he's not going to press the issue. He's not going to be like. Absolutely. Uh, you know. And it uh, wasn't even like, I don't want to make Kung a scene. Right. He yeah, just yeah, took yeah. it face value. I guess they don't have a table. They right. told us he, they don't have a table. In 2021, is still going to be like, oh, sorry. Yeah, they're booked up. Okay. Well, we should have planned ahead. Yeah, it's, my, it's actually on me. Let's go right. to Pizza It took Hut. another famous person who clearly was like Parker Posey for two. Right. To go like Keanu and have the guy look around and be like, that's Keanu. That guy is let's, not walking into this restaurant. Let's not you. say that maybe Parker Posey got on, got on Resi and made a Resi. Okay. We don't know. I mean, she could have. Parker, Parker Posey, a fiend on open table. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I know in movies she plays the kind of pushy person who might just get herself sure. a table at the door. But sure. you know. I'm now questioning in my head, is it Parker Posey or Juliette Lewis in the story? But either way. Sure. Right. They both seem plausible. Keanu I pals. think it was Parker Posey. Okay. Uh, Great Marie, story. Thank you for being on the episode. Thanks for Thanks, having Marie. me. I got to pee. You guys take it out. Okay. Bye, David. Yep. We should follow him into the bathroom. <laughs> ben, you have that 3D mic, right? Can we place it in the bathroom and get sort of like spatial audio? Yeah, of course. Oh, I already David. did. Okay, great. Perfect. So don't worry. That's been sort of like <laughs> over- a track that I've laid underneath yes. this whole episode. So yeah, now you should be hearing David. Pee. Absolutely. This episode that has to drop in 12 hours. Yep. Yeah. No problem. Just no problem. All together real quick. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media and so much more. You've been such a big help over the last year on this podcast. Oh, thanks, um, Griffin. AJ McKee and Alex Barron for our editing. Nick Laureano and JJ Burch for our research, even though they uh, we, we give them a break end of the year on these new releases. Um, they're knee deep in Campion they're working on the Campion dossier and they've pulled up some amazing shit so far 
And uh, we've already started recording these episodes. They're a lot of fun. It's fun to do. Um, thank you to Leigh Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song. You can listen to their new album, Extremely Loud, Incredibly Online, wherever albums are listened to. Thank you to Pat Reynolds and Joe Bowen for our artwork. Go to blankystabrat.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to our Shopify page for some real nerdy merch, including some new end-of-year specials that you will hear about in our Talking the Walk 2021 episode. Uh, tune in next week for, as we said, uh, West Side Story, a musical directed by Steven Spielberg. Ooh. First Spielberg movie in like four years, I think. Yeah, since we, Ready we had, Player One. We had a lot of them in a run. He's one of the guys we've been able to revisit the most. Because he did the post that same year. He did the year. post. He did Ready Player One. He did another one. <laughs> I'm forgetting. Um, but yes, I'm very... BFG? We ended on BFG. I think BFG had come out when we did our miniseries. Spielberg? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, three movies, right? It's post Ready Player One. Or is it just two? This is the third. Maybe. I feel this might be the third. Went back to the wall one more time, but whatever. No, I, I think that's it because he's been, it's been three years. His last movie was, was the fun. excellent film Ready, Ready Player One. Ready Player One honks. Fucking rules. I've rewatched it, watched it like four times. I it's so good. I hate, David's been making this argument for months and I'm like, I'm going to have to fucking Griff, rewatch I, this it's thing. It's good. Griff, I bought this deal on eBay for too much money because hmm. it's not like available anymore. I've had a couple of those mistakes recently. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Well, and then we've got another Spielberg coming up next year, probably. Babelmans. Babelmans. I truly like, and you know, West Side Story is dedicated to his dad who died while he was making it. Like, mm-hmm. and it really is wild. They're like, his dad dies and he immediately announces like, I will be making a film that is a uh, but a young boy whose parents get divorced in Arizona, yeah. you know, like where you're like, oh, you're making the dad movie like right now. And I'm writing a script for the first time in 20. Right. Yeah. And like, and then it's, it's just, it's just very interesting. I can't wait. That's can't the only thing on the spreadsheet. We looked at it. We got like six new releases from past filmmakers on the books for next year yeah. as of now. 2022 in general is incredibly loaded year as much yeah. as people are sort of bemoaning cinema or whatever. Like it's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Hey, big year for Blank Check, too. Some cool guests we've already confirmed. Yes. Yep. That's Some true. Cool for Champion and Beyond. Ooh, ah. <laughs> Enough. I don't know. Episode's um, over. Yeah. Well, uh, just I need one miracle. So if you want to pray to Michael <laughs> McGivney, just trying to get myself to the Vatican VIP style. I'm going to hype this up on social media Please so do. much. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to get a hashtag. We're going to start a campaign. Ben needs a miracle. Ben needs a miracle. All he needs is a miracle. All he needs is you. Uh, and as always, David genuinely seems stressed out about the fact that he hasn't seen Matrix yet. He is looking at his computer screen with intensity <laughs> that I rarely see. Even though I don't think he's texting about the Matrix right now. Maybe I'm wrong. It just feels like it has seeped into every fiber of his being. Okay. okay. I want a good, clean podcast. Okay. <laughs> No funny stuff. Who's this guy? All right. No swearing. No. Well, you can swear, no but don't get it. Don't get carried away. No fuck. Stuff. Can I take the Lord's name in vain? How yeah, Catholic are it. we getting with Jeez. this? Well, I mean, <laughs> we'll determine that. Can I? Can I blast? But what? What's the word? Blas- can you blaspheme. Blasphemous off. Yeah. Anyway, um, do the quote. Okay. We don't have to start this way. Either. No, but you're yeah. gonna put it at the end. Oh, yeah. sure. Cool. A little bonus, not was, to give you editing work. 
We don't have to put it at the end. It can be the start. Well, maybe you got to put it at the end. Okay, ready? 